This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us. It is a game day for the Winnipeg Jets. One final preseason game at Canada Life Center before beginning the season one week from tonight in Anaheim, California. And the Jets will be hosting the Calgary Flames. Jets and Flames going at it both tonight in Calgary in Winnipeg and Saturday in Calgary. And we'll see most of the Winnipeg Jet players we expect to see in the starting lineup for Wednesday in Anaheim in tonight's matchup. <clears throat> Excuse me. And part of that is no Mark Shifley. So uh, it, it's quite interesting. We'll get to all of that in a minute. We will talk about the Jets. We'll take a look at the Flames lineup, um, discuss how Paul Maurice is handling the absence of Shifley and how that's reflected into tonight's game. And we're also going to um, be hitting a number of the top stories in the National Hockey League with Stephen Wino of the AP, including maybe some movement on the Jack Eichel situation in Buffalo, Evander Kane, as well as, of course, Stephen covering the Capitals for so long, what Brendan Dillon will be bringing to Winnipeg after his time in D.C. As always, before we get going... I do want to thank all the family of sponsors here on Winnipeg Sports Talk that make things happen, including our newest sponsor, Culligan Water, as well as Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club Whiskey, as well as Cool Bet Canada, and of course, our pal Nick and Nicky's over at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Let's get Michael Remus in here before we get to Stephen Wino. Darren Bombing's going to join us post-Bombers practice as well. And we will take a look at the upcoming week in the National Football League with our pal Benny Heiss coming up. Remo, what's going on? How are you? I'm pretty good, As I'm just looking at the uh, waiver report today. I guess the, they delayed the waiver time. I think it was too early for those people on the West Coast. There were people in chat yesterday being like, Michael Hutchinson's on waivers. I mean, he's on the Jets before. Would he be a fit? Well, he just cleared. And no one went to uh, pick him up. Everyone who was on waivers yesterday cleared, so... Maybe that'll be a regular thing, Hus. The uh, one o'clock waiver report. The waiver wire. Yeah. Well, wave. I, you know, it was funny having Kevin O on yesterday, and of course Rick, who was the king of the waiver wire yes. back during his time holding down the round table, it was like that exciting little nugget that would come up during the, the uh, during the the hour. Oh, the waiver wire is here. Who's on it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I get that a lot of people will be looking at the waiver wire. And it, honestly, I speculated this throughout the summer that, you know, we'll see what happens in training camp. And if the Winnipeg Jets thought that they needed to go a different direction with the backup goalie position, there'd be a number of goaltenders that have some NHL experience that would probably be playing on at or near league minimum deals that might be available. And Hutch, of course, was one of them. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say... I, Michael Hutchinson has had plenty of opportunities in the National Hockey League, and and maybe we'll see that you know he is better and more established. He's certainly more established, I guess, than Eric Comrie, uh, but he's established right now as an AHLer, and Comrie's going to get that opportunity. I think we've been through that quite a bit. We've certainly heard from the organization, and most importantly, Coach Paul Maurice, that you know they feel that Comrie has earned this opportunity. They feel confident in him going forward, and. You know, the jury will be out when the regular season starts because it looks like we're going to see Connor Hellebuck for these last couple of games. Um, but again, I know we touched on this, you know, yesterday and we probably will be going forward until Conrad gets a few starts. Um, the jury still will be out. I mean, there is a somewhat of a question mark at the backup goaltending position. But I think everyone, certainly in the Jet fan base and certainly within the organization, is hoping that Eric Conrad can rise to the best opportunity of his career and be that guy. 
Um, but let's look at this lineup tonight, Remo, because as I mentioned coming in, no Mark Shifley tonight. And I think that might have surprised some people, but it really does seem like Paul Maurice is using this game as somewhat of a dress rehearsal for next Wednesday um, because he's not going to want Mark Schleifle to not play Saturday and then also not play uh, not play Sunday. And that's a big opportunity for Paul Stastny, who looks like he's going to move from his seemingly now regular spot alongside Adam Lowry on the Jets' third line, if you will, to centering Connor and Wheeler. And this would go to one of Paul, uh, one of Paul Maurice's you know, methods where he doesn't like to shake up too many things. Certainly, you'll have to have someone come in on the Lowry line to replace Stastny. But the Cop Dubois Ehlers line will be intact, and uh, we'll get a chance to see them in person tonight at Canada Life Center. Yeah, I see people in chats wondering if Shifley is injured, and I don't think that's the case uh, at all here. I don't. I just think they're going. I agree with you. Rest rehearsal for what could be Game One. Connor Stasny Wheeler. Let's take a look. Cop Dubois Ehlers. That's who's been together. Uh, Harkins moving up, and I think he's earned it. Veseline, and they're keeping him on the third line. And Toninato, who we thought, you know, looked great in the playoffs after finally getting into game action. And with Riley Nash, who seems to be, um, you know, he's going to get a spot. He's got a, a one-way contract free agent signing. And Evgeny uh, Shvechnikov, who's had a great training camp. But he also said, hey, you know, we're going to mix and match things just because, you know, we think that this is how it's going to start. Doesn't mean, you know, you have an opportunity to move guys around. Um, defenseman Morrissey, Schmidt, Dylan Pionk, you. Mellow, and that's kind of um, you know how it's been. Billy Hainala, I saw reports that you know Lowry and Dubois were you know putting their arms around him, and I guess having some teachable moments there in the practice. But uh, this is what the Jets lineup, and I mean, if hey, it's a home game, they're not going to be home for a while. This seems to be like what uh, you know they're going to do for the home fans who coming out to see some preseason hockey. Like yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, we're going to, we'll play more Maurice for you in a little bit here on the program and uh, hear the coaches' uh, comments. But, you know, from all accounts, um, you know, this is going to be how probably things will look against the uh, the Ducks. Now, I know you mentioned that's how the things have been looking with the blue line. It is important to note that Logan Stanley is classified as very much day-to-day. Um, everything that we've heard from head coach Paul Maurice, barring some sort of setback, would indicate that Stanley will be good to go. And all things being equal and everyone being healthy, I think Stanley's ahead of Nate Beaulieu on the depth chart. But this will be a good opportunity for Beaulieu to come in, get some ice time, play alongside Dylan DeMello. But it is interesting to see those top two pairings really seemingly be solidified going into the season with Josh Morrissey as well as Nate Schmidt. Um, you mentioned that fourth line, Toninato. I think Toninato was the guy that benefits from Shifley's absence, both in tonight's game and potentially in the opener. We had talked a lot about Cole Perfetti maybe being a guy that, you know, gets that chance. Um, I would have thought that if they were going to try to do that, maybe tonight would be the night where they see how things look against a team like Calgary. But it does seem like they're going to go with the first option for Maurice. That is playing the veteran center, Paul Stastny up in the middle. And coach was asked about it yesterday. I can't remember who it was that posed the question. But he said that, you know, if Perfetti, who was an option for game number one, probably wouldn't be just, placed you know plucked in where Mark Shifley was although that would you know give Maurice the ability to not really touch the rest of the of the three lines there's kind of a bit of a shake up on the two lines in this case 
Um, but from all accounts, David Gustafson was doing some extra skating today. Cole Perfetti was doing the extra skating as well as Mark Shifley. So, uh, yeah, no one worry about Mark Shifley being injured. Not an injury issue. This is in some ways a uh, preparation for the absence of Shifley finishing up that final game of his suspension that he picked up in the playoffs against Jake Evans. And I'll tell you what, I think it's a big opportunity for Dominic Toninato, Reem, because it has sort of seemed like he has been in that fifth line role through the end of training camp, even after the cuts. And, you know, despite a really solid end of the season and sort of jumping Jansen Harkins in the depth chart going into the playoffs, I think it's pretty easy to, to see so far through this preseason and training camp that Svechnikov and Harkins have been the guys that have really sort of solidified themselves, in my opinion at least, and I think from the coach's opinion, seeing it from this lineup today, that they'll be part of the Jets roster when the puck drops a week from today. Yeah, I think we're on our way uh, to that. One thing Paul Maurice did say, us is that anyone who's still in camp, he feels will play games with the Jets at some point. So, you know, Hanela and Perfetti, not in the lineup tonight, have looked good at times, especially uh, Perfetti during this training camp, you know, playing with Harkins and Chvetchikov who are in. So we'll, I think we'll be seeing them for sure at some point. That's basically what Maury said. So we'll wait and see. But I, uh, you, you said it to begin, this seems like a, a dress rehearsal for, you know, game one of the preseason. And, uh, I mean, Svechnikov, let's see what, what more he can do. I think it seems like he's on the team. Uh, Nash, and then Toninato's a guy, again, I, I liked what we saw from him in the uh, in the playoffs. You know, he barely, what, he played like one game in the regular season. So, but he is on, remember, he is on a two-way deal, and I do think, you know, that kind of, you know, helps uh, their decisions uh, going forward. But, you know, your play can also dictate that as well. And Harkins, I think, has been the standard. Veselainen's a guy. He's got to get on. He's got to, you know, put one in the back of the net. I think he's kind of struggled in terms of putting up points. He's looked good. He's helped create chances, but uh, hasn't really scored any, any goals. Yeah, you know what? Uh, save him for the regular season. To be honest, I mean, my opinion is not going to change uh, um, probably anyone from what we see in this preseason game tonight or the game on Saturday against Calgary. For the most part, we've got a pretty good idea about what these players are bringing to the table. And, and hey, it's not to say, I mean, a huge game like the guys had in Harkins and Svechnikov had last Wednesday, albeit against, you know, a essentially AHL roster minus a few NHLers from Edmonton, I think boded very well for them in the opportunity. I mean, you can only take advantage of what's put in front of you, and they have done that. But I'm pretty sure Veselainen is going to be in the lineup and he's going to get the opportunity when we get going for the regular season. And that's the time, you know, he'll need to get it done in both ends, especially if he is going to be playing with Lowry and presumably Paul Stastny once Mark Shifley uh, returns for game number two of the 82-game regular season. As far as the Flames for tonight, uh, quite a few of the regular NHLers. This will be the two best lineups we've seen, at least in Winnipeg, from any of the three preseason games. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, Elias Lindholm, and Blake Coleman, the newcomer, came in on that big free agent contract from the Stanley Cup champion Lightning, will be line number one. Dylan Dubé centering Andrew Maggiapani and Brett Ritchie, line number two. And then Michael Backlund with Richardson and former Jet Trevor Lewis. Will, they, will there be a tribute video today? I guess we, we, they, we don't do that during the preseason, I don't think, Reem. Sorry, great question, Huss. Uh, I, I don't know if there are tribute videos. Does one season where no one got to see you play in person because of the pandemic get you a Good tribute point. video? Good point. Uh, 
probably not. There will be a welcome at some point back for Trevor Lewis. The Jets are a pretty classy organization. They usually try and do that so? for anyone that left on good terms, uh, if you will. There, uh, I mean, was number no, nine? No such, yeah. Did nine get a tribute video? <laughs> yeah, nine. I, I don't we're remember. Gonna, we're going to – no. There was, I was I at that game. There, there wasn't was a tribute. tribute they didn't have no, a tribute video? that was video? the tracksuit game where they were worried about the signs and they were taking away props from everybody coming into the arena. They never there did was, a tribute? Uh, he had some I, good, I, I, some I good years. They knew it would just be nonstop booing. I mean, that was that was a bizarre situation. I'm sure people can have some fun in the chats about their okay. memory. My biggest memory of that game was, A, how bad the Jets played. It was one of those dull, dud yeah. Sunday afternoon games. And not to rehash the whole thing, but I think that, you know, the organization was doing so many things to try to not make it a big deal um, and, you know, make it over the top that it sucked the entire life out of the building. Um, but the biggest thing that happened that afternoon was in the concourse when we all saw Blair Walsh miss the field goal for the Vikings against the Seahawks in the playoffs that would have moved the Vikings on in the postseason. So that that was a quite a memorable early Sunday in January. But um, anyways, we got yeah, we sidetracked got, a little we, bit. We'll bring the minute in you mentioned tribute video, the minute you mentioned tribute video, we go to other things. How about this fourth line for the Flames? Milan Lucic, Glenn Godden, and Walker Dewar. Um, not familiar with Walker Dewar. Uh, I'm a little familiar with Glenn Godden, and he's a guy, a very depth player that's challenging for a spot. And then there's Milan Lucic, who uh, still maintains... A large NHL contract, how much he's able to contribute this year for the Flames, not too sure. There's four defense pairings right now for Calgary. Zadarov and Tanev, Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson, Oliver Shillington and Eric Goodbranson, and then Yusuf Valamaki and Michael Stone. They were all out for the morning skate today, so one of those pairings will not be there. And it does look like Dan Vladar, who was picked up from the Boston Bruins in the offseason, mainly experience at the American Hockey League level as well as overseas is going to get the start. Uh, he, along with Jacob Markstrom, look to be the Calgary Flames tandem to begin the season. Um, but overall, there's no uh, Sean Monahan I notice in the lineup. Uh, but other than that, pretty good lineup for Calgary. And uh, certainly, with the exception of Mark Scheifele, pretty solid lineup for the Winnipeg Jets. This will be the closest thing to real NHL hockey we've seen through the preseason, I think, based on the lineup so far, Reem. Yeah, no, uh, I don't see Johnny Gaudreau's name as well in the Calgary lineup. Oh, of lineup. course, Johnny Hockey, yes. So, so those, yeah, they're missing two dudes. But Blake Holman, we're going to look at Matthew Kachuk. Is there going to be, see people in Chevy? Well, Brandon Dillon's going to rough up Kachuk right away. Does that happen in preseason? Are we still mad about, uh, you know, all the nasty things Kachuk has done? Or do you kind of forget about that and you're just going for, a like, a Sunday afternoon Everyone family else- skate? Everyone else in the NHL hates Kachuk, but I don't believe that the uh, the real vitriol will be dispatched mm-hmm. until we get into the regular season. I mean, honestly, regardless yeah. of what happens in the game tonight, you'd like to see the guys get some chemistry and play well. But I think the goal for both of these teams for the next couple of dates is, uh, you know, get the guys as you know, close to game shape as they can as they continue through training camp. And most importantly, get out of the game healthy and without hey. any injuries. That, Connor, that's the bottom line to I me. Like, Connor McDavid got mad at this Flames team and uh, Chris Tanev, who I guess tripped McDavid in a preseason game. McDavid uh, wasn't too happy, but I called it a dangerous play. So I don't know if we're going to be seeing any of that. That tonight, but the Flames are already making a name for themselves here among, I want to say the Canadian division, but that doesn't exist anymore. 
Sally. I'm going to miss it. But uh, <laughs> like among the Canadian uh, teams, I guess they're only staying in Canada here preseason. No doubt about it. Now, listen, we're getting to talk uh, some NHL with Stephen Wino, but I think considering we're getting to all this game stuff right now, it might be a good time to actually get to the coach first before sure. we uh, bring on uh, Stephen Wino. So, Remo, why don't you get that ready? Um, and in the meantime, I'll uh, let you know about Culligan Water, our newest sponsor. Uh, just great to have Culligan. You know the name, the Culligan Man. They are synonymous with water services and products here in Winnipeg, celebrating 65 years here as family-owned business here in Winnipeg with Culligan Water. Um, and they do it all. They've got water softeners and filters. They've got whole home systems as well as drinking water systems, bottled water coolers as well as bottle-free coolers, water delivery services everywhere citywide. And if you are maybe at a business that, you know, needs to either get either bottled water or services and whatnot for it, they've got solutions and water products for all sorts of commercial and industrial operations. Bottom line is you need to stay hydrated. I'm doing a great job of doing that. I've cut down on the diet Pepsi. I'm drinking more water and actually I'm feeling great to be honest with you. So why don't you go check it out Get more water in your life, and the Culligan folks can help you out. 1200 Sergeant 694 5180 if you'd like to give them a call, or you can find out more on all their products and offerings online at drinkculligan.com. And uh, man, we're still getting a little more of this fantastic weather, but we do know that winter is around the corner, and our friends at Manitoba Battery are ready for winter, and you should be too. Uh, they got batteries for everything. Automotive, industrial, farm, power sports, quads, sleds. That's going to be quite popular coming up. Medichair as well. UPS backup supply batteries. But the bottom line is that Donnie and the guys over at Manitoba Battery have the best prices on batteries anywhere in the city. And they'll deliver it to you as well citywide. It'll cost you less to get the same battery from Manitoba Battery without leaving your house than it will to go down to Costco or one of the big box stores to pick it up. So find out more online at manitobabattery.com or you can visit them in person at 1026 Logan. Give them a call at 783-8787 and ask about their $20 maintainer special right now for the fall, which will help your summer car or boat be ready with one turn when you want to get back at it come into the summer. And, uh, man, if you read the Royal Sports tent sale a couple weeks ago, uh, it had been a long time coming. Um, if you've never been to Royal, what are you waiting for? It is the king of all sports stores in Winnipeg, family-owned as well for 35 years, speaking of doing things local. Uh, they're the hockey superstore, few million dollars of inventory when it comes to sticks, skates, goalie equipment, and maybe most importantly for the player in your family, they've got hockey players themselves, experts that'll help get you and your hockey player fitted for maximum performance going into the season. So if you need anything to do with the sport of hockey, Royal Sports is your spot, as well as if you're just a fan like me and that doesn't spend a lot of time on the ice, you want to get a new jersey, a great new lid, um, maybe a gift for somebody else, there is no nowhere anywhere that i've seen that has licensed merchandise like royal sports when it comes to the bombers the jets the nfl even major league baseball now with the playoffs going on r.i.p blue jays pop down and see them 750 pemina highway at royal sports all right we're gonna take a little trip around the nhl with the big news uh, happening with jack eichel and more with steven wino who's actually going to join us from Washington football team practice. We'll do that in a few minutes. But before we do that, we're talking Jets and Flames, getting ready for this game tonight. Let's hear what head coach Paul Maurice had to say just a few moments ago down at the rink. 
maybe just a thought or two on you know, these last two exhibition games at all. I'll talk a little bit about what his to-do list is from a coach's perspective. More, more uh, veteran-focused now. Um, a little bit of getting into the rhythm of how they come off the bench. More of a normal cadence for them. Uh, still an adherence on major systems. So the group of five, you're talking about, uh, you're not talking about a lot of individual play, but certainly how five guys are moving, and then you're looking for them to start talking on the bench, right? We've mixed the lines up a whole bunch. It'll be mixed again tonight because Mark Shifley won't play tonight. Uh, want him to play Friday. It's closer to San Jose. That way there's not a 10-day block. Um, and then so we possibly, you know, the, either of these next two will be versions of what we, what we dress in Anaheim. Is, is that related to your power play with Clay Tupel? Yeah. Mark won't be here, so we want to take a look at a different uh, how we're going to approach Anaheim. Get a look at it. If it needs a lot more work, then we have more time for tomorrow, even in tomorrow's practice. We'll do special teams, be pretty heavily weighted from now until the open the season. Um, by function of uh, all the players are on the ice now, we don't have kind of split groups. And also, uh, the heavy drills that you do, the major system drills are five-on-five five drills, and there's contact in all of them. And as we move closer to the season, we'll come out of that kind of heavier practices, heavy contact into more skill and speed work. When it comes to your bubble guys, I mean, two shots left. Well, some of them may not get any. One may get one. Do you have conversations yeah. with them as camp progresses, or do you want to see how they react? Well, everybody that kind of is in the room now is playing for the Winnipeg Jets this year, in my opinion. Like, at some point, they're all going to play. Um, four games was kind of the, what we allotted to take to, to get as many looks as we could at the young players, and after that, the priority really does shift now to making sure that the guys that are going to play the bigger minutes are up to speed and ready. So it's secondary now. The opportunities kind of yeah, if they get in, it's 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 a really critical time. But I don't think it's like year-long decisions for anybody, right? It's how we're starting in the opening game. We do have some considerations with cap things that we got to think about. It's kind of like. This will probably, these next two will decide who makes it onto the flight. But that doesn't mean that they're, that they're in the home opener uh, when we get back home. How much did you know about uh, Tom coming out before he became a Winnipeg Jet? And, 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 and when did he really open his eyes for you? Uh, remember him playing against us for Colorado. I believe he scored a goal in here at home. Uh, so, you know, it catches your eye and then the name comes up. But really, where where he became a guy that we liked, that we thought could be part of what we do, is is in the in the taxi squad last year. His, he was just relentless in his work ethic, and then attitude wise, happy to be here. You know, like it, there's a real value. We place a real value in, a, in our room now, and, and I think it's something that you learn. People that are willing to truly embrace Winnipeg, it's important. It's important that guys love being a Jet. That being in Winnipeg fires them up, and there are people like that. We got a whole bunch of them in our room now, and it's taken us kind of a long time to get to that, I think. Uh, and he's one of those guys. He, he wants to play here, wants to be a Jet. He's all in, works his ass off every day. I don't have to have a meeting with him once a week to see how he's feeling about his opportunity. He's, you know, whatever you got, I'll take. And and that attitude in that role is critical. But he would have uh, really opened eyes uh, in this city and with the you know, people who this club in the playoffs. And- you see a lot of guys that can do that, come and look that comfortable? Well, I think the only way you do that is is put in the time that he did, right? Like if, you, if you're good two or three days a week, then you're not getting that opportunity to get into a playoff game. And when you are, you're not going to have enough speed to, to do anything with it. Um, 
so he, he kind of bought the opportunity through hard work and determination. And then because of the work that he did, he was ready to go. Where would you see his workload? Like, what would you see his workload be like for you guys? Um, the, the role? We think he can play a fourth run role and kill penalties for us and, and be aggressive while doing it. Paul, you talked about um, you know everyone being all in on Winnipeg now on this roster. It took a while to get there. As a coach, what what did that detract from this team over the years? Not having no, I, I think every team has its own unique identity and challenges. Right, ours. It's not that we have more here; they're just different and specific. Right, we're not on a lot of teams. We're on a number of players, no trade lists. That's just a fact. But that doesn't mean we can't put a hell of a team on the ice. And and in fact, when you get those guys together, that are all in on Winnipeg, they hang closer together. Right, they're, that that's part of the idea of Winnipeg. Right, kind of us against them. Not a big town, a little bit cold on occasion. Not a whole lot of shopping. If that's Rodeo drives your thing, maybe this isn't your town. So that's okay, because there's a whole lot of people that this place fits perfectly, right? And we're getting closer and closer to that. Then you get those kind of men together, you get something special going. So I loved our camp. I, I, I love the vibe of what we're doing. It's not going to be perfect every day, right? We're going to have our grinders, and we aren't always going to get along here. Um, but it's good room, good men, embracing it, and uh, looking forward to getting it going. Paul, part of that preparation starting with tonight, uh, would ship length be part of that as well as you get ready for the season? Yeah. No, no, it's not too early for that. The thing about it is is when you when you're running exhibition games and you're cutting players minutes back, they want they want to get going, right? And and they want to get their touches and they want to they want to play a little bit. As the pace comes up, if you're playing hard enough, you shouldn't be able to take real long shifts. I mean, you just get on and get the hell off the ice. I'll play him. I mean, I, I'd play a guy 20, 22 minutes a night, no problem, but I'd like to do it on, you know, 28 to 32 shifts as a starting point, right? Get him on and get him off, get him out there a bunch of times. You'll see it happen more if we do go to 7 and 11. Uh, you'll see higher number shifts on hopefully shorter duration, and we'll get him out there on good minutes. All right, there's head coach Paul Maurice speaking about tonight's game. So, uh, you know, as we spoke of the top of the show, um, this is going to be in some ways a bit of a dress rehearsal for what the Jets are going to have to handle in game number one of the regular season, and that is the absence of their number one center, Mark Shifley, in game uh, in the game in Anaheim a week from tonight when it's the official drop of the puck on the Winnipeg Jets regular season. I have some breaking news here, folks. And I'm going to confirm this uh, over the course of the next little bit, but you're going to want to stick around if you uh, are busy or whatnot later on in the program, because I think we might have some tickets to give away for tonight's Winnipeg Jets game. So uh, stay tuned on that. Just waiting for those to come in and we'll figure out a fun way to do those towards the end of the program. Uh, I'm actually quite excited about today. After the program, have to head over to uh, Not Autocorp. And the man himself, the turtle man, Milt Stiegel coming in. Uh, Going to be doing a little bit of a uh, shoot for a new video. They've had that great ad that's been running on NFL and CFL football for the last little while. Apparently, version two is coming out with Milt. So he's coming into the peg. We'll look forward to chatting with him. And uh, 
see what we can get done. And then all, and Remus actually is going to be out at the game tonight, uh, although in different spots, unlike we were last week. But of course, not Autocorp been with us from day one. If you have any vehicle needs, not is the place for you. I mean, they'll detail your vehicle. They've got the Winnipeg Car Lab, which they've just opened up. I mean, if you've got a commercial need for a wrap of a vehicle, they'll do that for you as well. Tinting, striping, rims, all of those things at the Winnipeg Car Lab. But when it comes down to just vehicles, if you're looking to get into a new whip, um, why not get into the car of your dreams with a, at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery, or you can find out more online at knot.ca. And I'll take a look. Maybe I'll have to tweet out a couple pictures. What they have done in the back of the facility for their customers is unlike anything that I've ever seen. A fun place just to hang out, to be honest with you, with all the cool trinkets and couches and whatnot they've got at the spot. So anyways, that's not Autocorp. Speak, we've got a great giveaway today. I'm hoping I will confirm that we've got these tickets to give away, and we'll do that a little later on. But Canadian Club, the official whiskey of the Blue Bombers, has provided us with some great, well, you can see this. This is the original WST hoodie right here. Uh, We've got some new ones co-branded with the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, And Friday's Marble Race, our I Love Rye package gets even greater. We do have some product to give away, and we've also got some of these new hoodies and T-shirts to give away. I know BA Split won the first T-shirt. The hoodies are in now as well, so make sure you're with us on Friday. And uh, seven days a week, if you're looking for a delicious cocktail, there's nothing better than Canadian Club with a little bit of ginger, a little bit of uh, Pepsi or Coke, or heck, maybe we'll make the new CC&C. You want to do a Ryan Water, the uh, the Canadian Club and Culligan? Man, we're putting bringing our sponsors together here here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, making it making it all happen. That's not bad, eh, Reem? I just came up with that. Um, so, any anyways, you try the triple C. Let me know how it goes. Um, but anyways, you can get it everywhere at IG Field, along with Jim Beam, Brugal Rum over at the Rum Hut, Northern Keep Vodka, and of course Canadian Club, the good stuff and. I'm actually going to the game with our pal Nick from Dick DQ, the Nick and Nicky DQ. They must be enjoying this weather because I've been saying all week, we're getting a couple extra weeks. And it's kind of, this is Winnipeg, the slurpy capital of the world. We don't mind cold stuff 24-7, 365. But there's something about a nice 20-plus degree day and a nice cold blizzard. You can get it at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ in Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ Northgate, and the DQ over on St. Anne's. And as always, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you are uh, thinking about an event and want to be the hero. They uh, go for it. They'll customize it for you, have it ready for you, pick it up quick and easy at the Nick and Nicky DQ group. All right. We've talked a lot about tonight's game. We've heard from the coach. There's a lot going on around the National Hockey League, including maybe some movement on the Jack Eichel situation, more bad news for Evander Kane, and much more. To talk about all that we uh, hook up with uh, our good friend Stephen Wino from the AP, who's doing a little bit of double duty right now, getting both ready for the National Hockey League season and covering the Washington football team out in D.C. after that big win they had, led by my guy Taylor Heineke and scary Terry McLaurin. So uh, caught up with Wino just before we got on the air today. Um, here's a little chat on the latest in the National Hockey League with Stephen Wino. Stephen, what's going on? Great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great, great to talk to you. And, and in October, it's best time of year, right? All the sports going on at once. So I've got football going on behind me, some hockey coming up next week. It's awesome. You know, I uh, 
We should be talking hockey. I would like to just talk for 10 minutes about Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin, who killed for me last week in fantasy, but I digress. Uh, let's get to some of the big stories in the National Hockey League, including um, reports today. I know TSN's Darren Dreger had it that there might be a little movement right now in the Jack Eichel situation. This has been a disaster for both sides all summer long. It seems like they're no, at least last week, they were no closer to any resolution than they were at the end of the season. What are you hearing about the Eichel situation? And is it realistic that something uh, might get moving right now? Look, it makes sense. The problem here is there's no firm deadline because Jack Eichel is going to either need a, a rehab from, from this, the, the herniated disc or, or the surgery. But the question is, there, there's no deadline of something needs to get done by a certain time. I, I do think this is closer to happening than, say, a Brady Kachuk contract in, in Ottawa, in, in that this is a lose-lose for both sides here. Jack Eichel's not playing. He's not having the surgery he wants. The team's not getting anything for him. The, the teams who are interested in Jack Eichel don't have him, or at least on the road to recovery. So being in this kind of stuck-in-the-mud situation isn't helping anyone. And and what, what I'm just curious about is if and when something happens, what is the price for Jack Eichel? What is his value right now as the guy who we know can produce in, in, in the National Hockey League, but also is dealing with this injury, has all these kind of like losing stink on him, for lack of a better term, from Buffalo, that, that kind of what is he worth right now around the league? Is this a first-round pick and more? Is it a top prospect and more? Is it, is it both? And, and, and which teams are willing to take on the risk of not knowing how he's going to be after the surgery? But you have to imagine this happens sooner than later, given that it's a lost season for the Sabres anyway. And Jack Eichel, at this point, if he's going to have a surgery or something to get ready for the Olympics, something has to happen soon. Well, okay, I was going to bring up the Olympics. We'll get to there in a second. Uh, but back to your point about the cost. I mean, to me, if I'm Kevin Adams, they know this is already a lost season. I mean, to be pushed into selling Jack Eichel for 50 cents on the dollar long term for this franchise doesn't make sense. And to me, that's been part of the crux of what's happened. They wanted a healthy Eichel to trade him at as close to full value as possible. It seems like that's less and less likely. But I am skeptical that... You know, okay, some teams are going to uh, feel okay for Jack Eichel, and then they're going to go and just take a first-round pick and a couple prospects for it. I mean, this is a guy, this is their franchise player. He's making $10 million a year. You need to make this work for the Buffalo Sabres if you're Kevin Adams. So he was their franchise player. You don't take a C off somebody and, and kind of have this entire situation and think he's going to play another game in a Sabres uniform. I just don't think that's going to happen at this point. And yes, would the best case scenario for Kevin Adams be that Jack Eichel is healthy, plays at least a few games, shows what he can do, and then you can trade him? Sure. But I, I just, I can't, it's hard right now to see a scenario. And look, it was hard for me to see a scenario of Vladimir Tarasenko being back in St. Louis and some of these other things that have happened too. But I, I just, I don't, it's hard for me to see Jack Eichel playing another game for Buffalo. And if you're Kevin Adams, he already made a really good deal with Sam Reinhart in trading him to Florida, who was disgruntled and needed to move him. The injury here changes, adds another variable to this. But this is still a, a, a guy who Kevin Adams wants out of here. This is a very, still a long term and, and probably longer term than anyone thought rebuild for for Buffalo right now and and just getting him and, and kind of this situation out of there as fast as possible there, there's some value to that too yeah and you know I was just talking with Remus off air about the um friends and family that were in attendance at a Sabres preseason game ticket sales are going to be an issue and I think there is a point to the sooner they can move on from this the better it is for Buffalo as an organization overall what teams make sense for Eichel and do you have any inkling of some of the teams that you know, with this new information, might have their interest perked up? 
to, to me, it's always been Vegas. And, 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 and we've heard about the, the possible Kings interest. We've heard about the possible Rangers interest. It, it comes down to two teams for me right now. It's the Vegas Golden Knights, who did clear some salary cap space, obviously, by trading Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing to Chicago. And, and there's a lack of, of centers there, or at least top-end centers there. When you have William Carlson and you think Chandler Stevenson is your second-line center, it, it's just a place that feels right for Jack Eichel, uh, an organization that is in a win-now mode for that. The other team I could consider here is Minnesota, another team that doesn't have a whole lot of, of star power down the middle. You've got a, a Karol Kaprizov who, can, who, if playing with an elite center, could be a 100-point player in the NHL. Uh, and, and, and they do. Bill Guerin does have a, a stockpile of prospects built up. Vegas has traded a lot of, of kind of its prospects from the first few years. Uh, but I have to imagine Buffalo wants to move them out west. If it winds up being the Rangers, you don't want – if you're the Sabres and you're in theory good three, four, five years from now, you don't want him torturing you in the playoffs at some point. I think the desire is to move him out west. The Sharks are an intriguing one to me because if you're saying let's let's write off this season for Jack Eichel and let's say we want him in 22, 23 and beyond, the Sharks have prospects, they have picks, they have salary cap space to burn, and, and that's a, a team that if he needs a fresh start for, he would get an opportunity. Doesn't have to be the guy. Logan Couture is already the captain. Eric Carlson and Brent Burns already take up a lot of the attention there. That that he, if a place to me for Jack Eichel that works would be a place like San Jose because he could slide in like Taylor Hall did in Boston and be something of a secondary player there and not have to be counted on to be the guy. Eichel for Kane. Who who says no? <laughs> Buffalo. Buffalo says no because they're not bringing Evander Kane back. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, Evander's a little radioactive right now. You mentioned the Olympics. I was thinking this earlier today. I mean, what are the chances that Jack Eichel is part of that Olympic team? And what needs to happen regardless of a trade? I mean, just with his health, I would imagine he'd have to play games beforehand. I mean, is it unlikely you think that Eichel's an Olympian or is that still on the table? I, I do think it's unlikely based on his health because he would have to play games and be healthy. And look, you only have a 25 man roster here to be able to figure out kind of what to do with these spots. And it's not an envy. Uh, I don't envy Stan Bowman and Bill Guerin right now in trying to figure that out because you're projecting now four to five months down the road of what will Jack Eichel look like. But that, that's another reason from, from his camp side that I have to imagine he wants this done sooner than later, whether it's the surgery or whether it's some sort of other rehab here that he needs to figure out kind of getting himself healthy if he wants to play on that team. Because in, in talking to Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, especially a lot of those guys who played on that 23 and under team at the World Cup of Hockey, they feel like an opportunity was taken away from them to play for their countries and, and, and not being able to play for Jack Eichel's sake with a USA jersey on and McDavid and McKinnon Canada. But I, I do think Eichel wants to play in the Olympics. And certainly the U.S. lacks centers as well. And, and it would be beneficial for the U.S. to have him in the lineup. But I, I think... We're going to find out in the next few weeks whether this is a legitimate possibility because either he's on that long list that the USA puts it, USA Hockey puts in uh, for the Olympic team and he goes through the Olympic testing or not. And then we've got to see if he has the surgery, it's it probably unlikely that he, that he gets there. But th this is another reason why I think this has to come to, to a head sooner than later. Steven Wino, the AP with us. I mentioned Evander Kane. People will kill me in the chat if I don't bring him up. Um, I, I mean, it has been a, a miserable and chaotic summer, I think, the best way to talk about it. And we heard before everything happened with his wife and the gambling accusations, we had already heard from um, Kevin Kurz in The Athletic that the Sharks players had already gone to management saying they didn't want him back. Um, now there's the the latest reports that he faked a, a vaccination card. Um 
Radioactive doesn't begin to describe Evander Kane, but how does this play out in the short term, Stephen? I, I, don't, I think he's less likely to play another game for the Sharks than Jack Eichel is to play for the Sabres. And, and that's, I just, there are too many factors here from the league investigation that did clear him of gambling on, on Sharks games, gambling on NHL games, uh, kind of being disliked by teammates, kind of everything that's around Evander Kane right now, the COVID protocol stuff, that it, it, the Sharks and, and Evander Kane already agreed that it's best that he does not show up to training camp. He has the, the, the situation with the, the domestic violence kind of investigation also ongoing with the league right now. I, I, I don't I don't know where the end game is for Evander Kane. I, I, eventually, I, you would think a team would want to give him that chance. What I worry about from from his side is is this contract going to be voided and and that money that, that, that he is owed for the next several years going to go away and then he becomes a, a very kind of like high risk addition show me kind of player for a team because look he had a good season last year on the ice just purely from a hockey standpoint he had a nice season last year and 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 put up points on a bad team but all the other outside stuff and you guys saw in Winnipeg with, with kind of Dustin Bufflin and, and and kind of how Evander Kane was disliked there and he wasn't liked very much in Buffalo and he wasn't and it's not liked very much in, in San Jose that you, you, he he is more radio, radioactive right now than Tony D'Angelo was because the Hurricanes were willing to kind of look past what Tony D'Angelo did with the Rangers, some of his his kind of misconduct things, whether on or off the ice, and, and all the distractions about there because he's a young 25-year-old right-shot defenseman. Evander Kane right now, I think most of the teams in the league would say he's not worth the trouble. Well, I, I think maybe all of those teams would say that maybe. right now. And listen, if his contract gets voided, I think it's a different story because I then think teams can come in, pay him less and have some clauses in that if they want to cut him loose, they can. Um, if the contract is there, there's nobody okay. that's touching him with that salary right now. And I guess the question I've been talking about with some friends off air is where is Evander Kane's next game more likely to happen in the National Hockey League or in the KHL? I think some some European league would be very likely. I, honestly, like I, I I could I could see a Swiss team saying we'll take Evander Kane right now. I, I but look, I've been surprised by things before, and maybe he and the Sharks somehow make up. Maybe it, it, kind of the next regime figures we're going to take a, a risk on this guy. But Logan Couture doesn't sound like he wants him back. Uh, and Brent Burns doesn't sound like he wants Evander Kane back in that room. And and if if you're a team where you've got a handful of, of older veteran player leaders, and they say we don't want to play with this guy. It, that, that's a toxic environment that the Sharks want no part of. Uh, Steven, I, I got to ask you about Robin Lehner. He certainly made some headlines on the weekend with uh, a string of tweets, I believe on Saturday night, um, alleging a whole bunch of things, um, misuse of uh, prescription medication, not taking care of players. And you know, surprisingly, through a couple scuds at Elaine Vigno, a player that a coach that he'd never played for. There has been some backtracking, but I mean, what sort of buzz is this creating around the league and what is next for both Laner and the topics and issues that he brought up? Yeah, I, I, and then Robin Lehner spoke with, with the NHL and the NHL Players Association. He's very encouraged by these conversations. I, I think that the, the main thing for me, big picture on this is he, he did bring up a topic that that retired players and current players believe in that, that teams over medicate players or, or obviously given the pain threshold that's needed to, to play in the NHL and kind of, we all, we do glorify guys playing through injuries and those sort of things. I think on a larger kind of talking point, it's something that should be discussed. It, it, it is something that we need to, that as a hockey community, look at kind of 
what is the the kind of over reliance on medication, pain meds, painkillers, those sort of things, on a grander scale. I think some of the the, the the individual attacks he made, one of them on Elaine Vigneault, that he said it's not about the drugs, but to throw a tweet about Elaine Vigneault and his coaching in with drugs was irresponsible. It, it was it was irresponsible, and and I know he said. This is not what I wrote. People can't read, but you can't tweet something 35 seconds after in a, in a thread and not have people link these things together. And so I, I think there was a lot that was irresponsible about how he did it. But Robin Leonard has also said he's tried to bring this up privately and it hasn't worked out. So if this is the way that it had to be brought up, great. I, I do wish that the, the Vigneault stuff had not been thrown in there. I, I think that was not something that, that that should have been part of that conversation. If he wants to talk about Jack Eichel and how teams over-medicate players and, and decisions on surgeries, that's a very specific top, topic. Uh, it, it, the problem is I think a lot of the message got lost in the delivery of the message. And, and now Robin Leonard has, has, has said, I want to do this privately from now on. So I, 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 I ho- I'm hopeful from, uh, from his standpoint and the league standpoint that this can happen in, in a constructive manner, that as much uh, as this kind of became a firestorm of chaos on Saturday night and, and the ensuing days, that there can be some positives to come out of this that doesn't include kind of lumping in people who are not responsible for what Robin Leonard was talking about. Yeah, what? Uh, how's the, I, I heard Elaine Vigneault speak yesterday, and he was sort of like, I have no idea yeah. what he's talking about. Um, does this do anything to Vigneault's spot in Philly? And uh, does it? Uh, what's the reaction been in Philadelphia? Uh, because I'm sure all the local media there were like, what the heck is this all about? I, I think it's been a giant kind of confusion and shrug. And, and, and I do wonder if on social media on Saturday night, there was too much jumping of conclusions of, of kind of almost giving Robin Leonard the benefit of the doubt. Because he came out and said, I have proof. Fire Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, how, does this connect it to, to Nolan Patrick? Of course, Patrick now at the Vegas Golden Knights, who had a number of injury issues during his time with Philly. He, he said it was not, and then that he barely knew Nolan Patrick, even after being teammates now for, for a little while. Um, I, I, you'd have to think there's some connection there, but I, I, I wonder if that is entire, the, the Elaine Vigneault dinosaur coach stuff was completely unrelated to any of the medication stuff. And, and so I think... Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher have, and, and players there unfairly had to answer questions about something that they have nothing to do with. And, and, and that's the part of this that, that Robin Leonard did not take responsibility for yesterday and saying, I know I'm going to get some backlash with this. I, I think he owes Elaine Vigneault an apology for lumping him in, even if he didn't accuse him necessarily of drugs, that, that, that people definitely link those together for a reason because he tweeted about them together. And, and, and I don't think this is going to, to, to mess up Elaine Vigneault's spot with Philadelphia. I think if anything's going to mess up Elaine Vigneault's spot with Philadelphia, it's Carter Hart's play this season. It, it's, it's getting this team to the playoffs. There's a lot of expectations there. This was a little bit of a, of a distraction for a few days, but I, it's not going to derail Philadelphia in any way. Hey, closer to the team that you cover probably the most, certainly historically, the Caps. Um, uh, oh, what's the how's Ovi doing in this preseason? Are we going to get another fifty goal season from uh, the uh, former Rocket winner? Yeah, I mean, I guess the over under is, is is always fifty for Alex Ovechkin, right? I mean, I think and and I really think after he missed a bunch of time at the end of last season with with injuries and it was a groin thing and a back thing that we're going to know pretty early in the season whether he has a chance to catch of catching Wayne Gretzky's record because if he is lighting the world on fire at, at age 36 and, and he is scoring 25 goals in the first half of the season or something like that he, he's probably got to score 40 this year to have any chance at, at catching Gretzky so we'll know and and that's the question is can he stay healthy because over the course of Alex Ovechkin's career, he has missed almost no time to injury. He, he's been kind of that, that Iron Man sort of guy. And so the question now is, can he, can he stay healthy long enough to put up those numbers? 
Well, uh, the guy that's not been an Ironman, at least this offseason, Nick Backstrom, he's going to be out. That's significant both for Ovi and the team. Um, what's that going to do for the Caps early on in the season? Might we see Hendricks Lapierre get an opportunity to play in the best league in the world? Yeah, Nicholas Bashford still hasn't skated yet. Uh, dealing with a, a hip injury that this hip was left hip was surgically repaired in, in 2015, and still kind of got a, a lingering problem. That yeah, the, the Capitals are going to have to to make do without Nick Backstrom at least to start the season and look like look likely for the for the first 10 games. They're probably going to have to put him on long term injured reserve. He's going to be out until November 6th, and it's either going to be Connor McMichael who who is probably the, the Capitals' top prospect, or Hendricks Lapierre who's a year behind uh, a first round pick in, in 2020. One of those guys is going to get a look as either second or third line center between Evgeny Kuznetsov and, and Lars Eller. And, and the Capitals are going to, to maybe have to shield with those guys because they're very young. I don't know if they're physically ready for the NHL, but they're certainly elite prospects who can produce and, and have produced at other levels. And the Capitals have high expectations for them, at least long term. And we're going to see what they can do in the short term. You had a piece uh, a couple days ago in the AP, uh, a variety of publications talking about Lapierre, but also mentioned Svechnikov here in Winnipeg, who has had a great camp, will get another opportunity to earn a job. I think you know, if I had to bet right now, I think it's probably likely he's in the opening day roster. Question I have for you, Stephen, is how was this guy available to Winnipeg in the fashion that he was? I, I can recall on another show looking at the list of free agents in the offseason and everyone's 34, 35, 36. And then you have a former first-round pick that comes in, not even on an NHL deal originally, uh, coming from Detroit, a place where you don't really let good young players walk in the situation that they're in. Yeah, How did this yeah, happen? I, yeah, I mean, I, and, and and the question is, does Steve Eisman know more than than letting on? And 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 I wonder if we'll find out eventually what happened with Svechnikov and Detroit. But yeah, he, he's one of those guys where I think the flat cap has a lot to do with this, and in, in that, not that it was necessarily needed um, for for Detroit to kind of clear salary cap space, but. GMs are looking at this and saying, we don't want to make a long-term commitment to guys unless we know that they have a future there. And, and I guess it's now on Evgeny Sveshnikov to prove Steve Eisman and the Red Wings wrong for doing that. Because you're right, this doesn't happen very often. But And, and what are, the, the question for me will be, if Evgeny Sveshnikov is playing with not top six line mates, what is he able to do? Can, can he play in a third or fourth line role in Winnipeg and still thrive? Or does he need to play with skilled line mates? Well, it looks like he's going to get that opportunity. Uh, speaking of Winnipeg and Washington, I have to ask you about Brendan Dillon. Um, you know, he the additions of Dillon and Nate Schmidt completely changed the narrative around this team. There is so much excitement about the Jets going into this season because it was really perceived that that was their Achilles heel. And to get those two guys in without giving anything up your roster, um, excitement is high. Tell us about Dillon for Jets fans that haven't seen him play. I mean, you got a lot of him in Washington what sort of a player is coming to Winnipeg? What will he be able to do for the Jets? And from a cap standpoint, how do they fill that hole? Well, he, he's a big defenseman. He's a, he's a physical guy who can clear the front of the net. He'll, 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 he'll lay the body. He's, he's kind of a grinding type of defenseman. Did not have a great year for the Capitals last year. And, and from a salary cap perspective, reasonably why Washington moved on from him. But the Capitals also, they don't have a kind of guy to do that now. They let Zdeno Chara walk. They traded Brendan Dillon. The, the, there's not, unless Martin Verivari, who, who's a rookie coming up, who's dealing with an injury right now, unless he can be that guy, the Capitals really don't have that kind of physical presence on the blue line. But the, the Jets are getting two ex-Capitals defensemen now in, in, in Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, who do very different things. Nate Schmidt can run a power play, a very smooth skating defenseman. Brendan Dillon's a guy who you want to pair with someone like a Nate Schmidt. You you want him to be the kind of muscle on your blue line. And and, and that's what Brendan Dillon does best. And I understand the excitement. He, he's probably also, in his own mind, wanting to come back uh, and play a little bit better than he did last year. 
Wino, I know you got to get back to WFT practice. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, looking forward to the start of the season and can't wait to chop it up with you again soon. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. All right, great stuff with Wino. And uh, credit to me for not spending half the time talking to him about the WFT because, uh, as I mentioned, very, very happy with my guys Taylor Heineke and Scary Terry McLaurin from their huge fantasy performance on the weekend. Um, really appreciate Stephen joining us. We'll have him on throughout the season. Uh, great friend of mine and uh, does a phenomenal job covering, uh, well, everything that he does for uh, for the AP. Um, Remo, come on back in here. We're going to get to the Bombers in just a second. Darren Bombing coming up in just a, in just a couple minutes. Um, the Kane situation, and I know the minute you mention Kane, the chat goes crazy. Um, this business about the fake Vax card, uh, just one thing after another. I mean, the list of baggage that he would bring to any new team that he would show up at is so big. I'm not sure that there's a taker, even at a huge discount from what he's making right now in the National Hockey League. Although, I guess there's always some GM that thinks that, you know, he'll be the guy or a head coach, he'll be the guy that'll make this guy work. And you'd have to have a pretty unique team, I think, to welcome Evander in right now. Um, but you know, it's a really sad story. Uh, and I'm not shocked. I mean, if I had to bet right now where Kane plays his next game, I think I might be betting Europe or the KHL. Like we just talked with Wino about. Yeah. You look at Kane's off season. I mean, you can go down this laundry list here and we said it before the show one, you know, his teammates don't want him on his team. Uh, he filed for bankruptcy. He has a gambling problem. He's getting divorce, uh, you know, public messy divorce with his wife. He's going on with a fake vaccine card, and you reminded me he has a lawsuit where he offered to give uh, a woman money for to have an abortion. She had an abortion, and he told her to uh, contact his lawyer and didn't give her the money. So there's a lot of you know stuff going on that he has no one to blame uh, but himself. And you know, just when you think this guy, you know, you've heard the last about the du- the latest dumb thing he did, he goes and sets the bar even lower by doing something this- extremely dumb, which I think could put his contract in jeopardy. And for a guy who's bankrupt, you know, who's filed for bankruptcy, um, you'd think that the con- his contract is the one thing that he would do everything to make sure that he gets that money, but he clearly isn't that smart. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, like all the other stuff is pretty ugly and pretty salacious. Um, th- this bit, <laughs> this report about the fake vaccination card, I mean, is, I mean, it's like a Saturday Night Live skit at some point. I mean, you, you, you have to be kidding me. Um, anyways, it's not a problem the Winnipeg Jets have to deal with anymore. It's not a problem the Buffalo Sabres have to deal with anymore. And the San Jose Sharks, it sounds like, are trying to rid themselves of a guy that did play his ass off and was a really good player oh. on the ice, which just goes to show how radioactive he is as a player right now for the Sharks and really in the hey. National Hockey League. Hey. Uh, Guaranteed, this won't be Kane. the last time we mention EK9 no. on the program going no. forward. I had Kane on my fantasy team. He was great for me. Uh <laughs> was one of the few guys that uh, stayed healthy, I think, through the uh, weird COVID uh, season where there were guys out all the time. I mean... He played 56 games. He had 49 points, 22 goals. Great season, but uh, on the ice, off the ice, uh, pretty about as bad of an off season as uh, you could have, I think. No doubt about that. All right, listen, I do want to get to uh, Darren Bombing, who uh, can join us right after Blue Bomber practice today. Uh, before we do that, uh, mentioned so great to have Princess Auto on board with us. Princess Auto, massive company around the country. 
but it's home right here in Winnipeg, built family owned in Winnipeg, locally started and locally made. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of you guys out there are a handyman or a, like thinking up neat projects and things to do, whatever you can imagine the folks at princess auto will help you make those dreams a reality yeah you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around uh everything you need to start the projects on your list or start something new is at princess auto two locations here in winnipeg but as you think about these possibilities you know what the best thing that you could do is go online to princessauto.com and start imagining what you can do in the workshop going forward. And of course, Princess Auto, uh, big supporter of curling. Great to have Reed Carruthers on the Mike McEwen team. I believe they're taking a week off right now, now that they're really focusing in on the Olympic trials next week. Uh, but in our weekly curling report for Princess Auto, can tell you've got a couple of big events. The IG Wealth Management Western Showdown is going on. Many of the top teams in the world, Brad Jacobs is there. Uh, Brendan Botcher is there. Matt Dunstone is there. Pat Simmons in the mix. Um, so that's getting out. Uh, William Lyburn as well out in Saskatchewan. And meanwhile, an absolutely star-studded lineup in the Curlers Corner Autumn Gold Curling Classic event with the women, including Tracy Flurry, Laura Walker's team, who I believe just qualified for the Olympic trials, uh, the queen herself and a great Princess Auto representative, Jen Jones and her squad out there, uh, Eve Muirhead, who will be one of the Olympic favorites, I'm sure, and of course, Carrie Einerson as well. Um, so we'll follow that. We'll let you know what happens after the weekend and really looking forward to getting into curling heavy in and around those Olympic trials because it will be such a big thing. Again, Princess Auto, hit them up online. Check out what you, what the possibilities for your next project is at Princess Auto. Uh, and of course, Little Brown Jug, make sure you follow them on Instagram. Every day, it seems like there's more news of cool events going on. Uh, Friday night, if you're not going to the Bomber game and you're looking for a spot, they've got some live entertainment outside on the patio. And they've got the new double beer, which uh, has fall vibes times 100, they say. Uh, one of their new limited edition cans. That's available at the tap room, as well as online at littlebrownjug.ca. Still a few racks of those uh, summer variety packs. If you buy one of those, you get a $5 gift card for your next Little Brown Jug purchase. And the Black Lager is back just in time for fall as well. Find that at your favorite local bottle shop, or your best spot is to do it in person at Little Brown Jug, or check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. And, uh, man, we've got a great sports weekend coming up. tomorrow. Tonight, we've got the Jets. Tomorrow, we've got the Rams, Seahawks, and Canada, Mexico, Friday, Bombers, Saturday, Jets again, Sunday, NFL, and no better place to take in it all on multiple screens with the big sound than your local Boston Pizza Lounge. You'll have the big game on. You'll enjoy some schooners, some pizza, some great wings. And if you're popping down to the game, make sure you go and see Crystal and the gang over at Boston Pizza City Place. They took such great care of us all those years doing the pregame shows there. I will probably make an appearance either before or after tonight's game down at BP City Place as well. And if you're looking to order online, you can do it at bostonpizza.com. All right, Benny Heiss is going to join us a little bit later on in the hour. And we do have two pairs of tickets for the Jets game tonight. And you know what that calls for? An impromptu marble race yeah we've got two pairs of jets tickets we're gonna do a marble race so uh make sure you stick around till the end of the program at the end of this interview we'll let you know how to enter we'll talk to benny heiss and then we'll come back we'll wrap the show and send two of you 
to the game tonight, courtesy of one of our loyal listeners. Mike, really appreciate him dropping these seats off to us. I'm already going. So uh, two of you are going to get a pair for tonight's game in a marble race at the end of the show. But let's get the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Caught up with DB post-practice today at IG Field. Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports filling us in on the latest on the Blue and Gold. Getting ready for the Elks on Friday night at home. DB, what's good, man? Great to have you back on the program. Always good to be with you, Haas. Uh, Fun practice to watch today, no doubt about that. Well, I'm sure an interesting practice. And listen, before we even get to practice, some of the biggest topics of practice come out of what's happened earlier this week. Uh, And it was somewhat ironic. Remus and I probably spent half of Monday's show with everything coming out of the weekend talking about the Bombers and that just virtuoso performance in BC on Friday night. Talk about Zach Kolaris' 400 yards and talking about Kenny Lawler's career game in the Canadian Football League, putting up two bills on BC. Um, A few hours after we got off the air, we got the alert that Kenny Lawler had been arrested for DUI, had been suspended by the Blue Bombers. And in some ways, it seems things have been going so well for the Bombers. The only thing that could beat this team was the Bombers themselves. Um, You know, it doesn't reflect on the rest of the team. It's a bad situation for Kenny. He's going to pay the price going forward and will do so this weekend when it comes to his profession. Um, but I know you've been around the club. You've been talking to a lot of people in the media. I mean, uh, w- what was your reaction to what happened? And uh, how do you see the fallout of this for Lawler in particular and the Blue Bomber offense? Yeah, well outlined by you there, Hustler. And it is an unfortunate circumstance. But big picture, do I think this will affect the Blue Bombers team this season? Not greatly. I, I think it's absolutely a significant issue. Boneheaded, idiotic immature, um, selfish. Those last two words were ones that Kenny Lawler used himself to describe the decision to get in a car while intoxicated and drive. Um, but, you know, as, as dumb as the move was, as dumb as that decision was, uh, this Blue Bombers team, I don't think, is going to spend too much time uh, thinking about it. And I just mean the players inside the locker room, the coaches when coaching. Uh, they're going to stay focused on the task at hand that's going to 1-0 and every single week. That's the strength, uh, character, and resolve that this team has. Off the field, uh, dealing with the legalities of it all, Kenny, um, you know, accounting uh, for his actions and, and being responsible. He said all the right things. I will give him uh, the little bit of credit um, that he does deserve and that he owned up to it. He's he's doing the right things in the aftermath, but no doubt you 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 hate this ever to happen. And and uh, of course, it's added with an exclamation mark when it's the CFL's leading receiver coming off a career game, as you mentioned, 200 yards, Kenny Lawler and Zach Kolaris, like Kolaris is now being, you know, is, is easily the runaway CFL MOP. And his number one target is Kenny Lawler. And now people are talking about Kenny Lawler as maybe the best, if not absolutely the best CFL receiver right now. And for that to happen in the hours, 24, 48 hours after that huge, um, you know, welcome to the stage performance. It definitely sullies it. But uh, all, all things considered, as I, I kind of started this answer with, I don't see this affecting the the Blue Bombers too, too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the way Mike O'Shea runs his operation and, you know, from what we've said, they're going to deal with this. They're going to go forward. And Kenny Lawler's not going to be a part of the game plan this week. And, you know, he'll have to he'll have to own it. And, you know, I'm not here to kick a guy when he's down. Everyone's made mistakes. He's just lucky that this is 
about him and not anybody else getting hurt. And frankly, right. that he didn't get hurt himself. Um, all that being said, hopefully, you know, what we heard from Kenny Lawler was sincere. This makes him a better person going forward. Um, and we never have a conversation like this again when it comes to him or hopefully any of his other teammates or frankly, anybody on this right. program. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, it's a knucklehead move and, um, you know, nothing good comes out of it. Uh, all that being said, Lawler's not going to be in the lineup this weekend. This offense is rolling. That was as I mentioned, about as good as it gets for the Winnipeg offense. Zach Caleros was on the top of his game, and Lawler was a huge part of that. It had been assumed, and even hearing from Mike O'Shea, that, you know, Naaman Roosevelt would probably get a crack at some point when somebody was hurt or something came up. Well, something's come up, and there is a hole. But, you know, reading your reports from practice today, um, Naaman Roosevelt out there, but Kelvin McKnight was there. Fill us in on uh, what you saw and. Uh, what we might be able to take from today's practice as to how the Bombers might look Friday night against the Elks. Yeah, autocorrect struck me. It is Kelvin McKnight, and I thank you, Hustler, for for pointing that out prior uh, to this. But Kelvin McKnight has been here since the onset of training camp. He was brought into this organization to be a kick returner, to be a reserve receiver. And in training camp back in July, like I go back and look at my notes and he did some very good things. He caught the attention of a lot of people um, in, in those first couple weeks of training camp. It is, um, you know, it, it suddenly brings, a, you know, a, an interesting point into question about Naaman Roosevelt being here for six weeks, signed right before the Labor Day Classic uh, in Regina and uh, being on the practice roster for a month and a half now, waiting, biding his time, waiting for his opportunity. But day one of practice, practice was canceled yesterday. Um, day one of practice today, it's Calvin McKnight working with the first team offense. Kenny Lawler is here. He's geared up and involved and working on the scout team and that sort of thing, working on special teams uh, and, and, and the like. But uh, Calvin McKnight, he looks really good. Like, it'd be one thing, like, okay, he made a couple catches. I saw him reel in three touchdowns today off the arm of Zach Kolaris. One of them one-handed. And, um, you know, not one of those fluffy, you know, over-the-head balls and, and kind of drops into the breadbasket one-handed catch, but a reach-out in front of him snag. And to see somebody who is a kick-returner type, has a lot of speed, small, low to the ground, shifty, and with hands like that, in the Canadian Football League and in Buck Pierce's offense, he could be a very dangerous weapon all over the field. They're going to rely on Rashid Bailey and uh, uh, Nick Dembski uh, and, of course, Drew Olatarski, who avoided a scare, uh, you know, uh, looked to be seriously injured in that game against uh, the BC Lions in Vancouver uh, on the weekend. He's here. He's braced up, but he looks no worse for wear, watching him run around and uh, involved as he normally would be with the first-team offense. So it looks like Kenny Lawler will be the only change in this Blue Bombers receiving core and really in this Blue Bombers offense going into this back-to-back -back with the Edmonton Elks. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, but very interesting. We're going to get some words from Naaman Roosevelt uh, uh, when media happens uh, a little bit later this afternoon to get his perspective of why they're not tapping the veteran on the shoulder, instead going to um, a, a true rookie who has never started or even played in a game in the CFL in Kelvin McKnight this week. Well, it sounds like McKnight has been, you know, working hard during practice and, you know, maybe having a few more practices like you just described. And, you know, essentially, and this is what the Bomber organization is like right now. I mean, there's a lot of talented players that aren't in the lineup right now now, which is a great problem to have. 
And these practices become competitions for the limited opportunities that come about. And one has come out from Kenny Lawler. For, from name from Roosevelt's perspective, how has he looked? What did you see him taking part in? And, uh, you know, do you think that he could be part of the plan for Friday? Maybe. I, I can't, you know, only one practice this week, tomorrow's walkthrough, and then we're, we're playing a game on Friday. So, uh, um, Naaman Roosevelt has been working with the second team offense for at least a month now. Uh, and, you know, again, not getting his opportunity. Here's the, the thing that, that jumps out to me. Mike O'Shea, when asked, no Kenny Lawler, what, what's your lineup going to look like in his wake? He said it simply, there are many options who are ready, willing, and able to step in and play at a high level. It's going to be Calvin McKnight, at least, uh, you know, uh, on first glance here in their one practice day this week. But this is kind of the mentality of this Blue Bombers organization. You can be a multi-time league all-star, have a handful of thousand-yard seasons in the CFL, and have the name recognition of Naaman Roosevelt. Well, you arrive mid-season, you're kind of at the back of the line like anybody else. Uh, they really um, honor and credit players for putting in the work, biding your time, waiting for your opportunity. And for Calvin McKnight, he has been waiting three times as long as Naaman Roosevelt has. He's been here since day one. He earned a job on this team out of training camp. Roosevelt is a nice contingency plan. He's somebody I think it's, it's going to be important um, you know, to, to have on this team if you need him. And, um, but, but in the end, uh, it's going to be Calvin McKnight, uh, it looks like, uh, on Friday night, and, and rightfully so. That's the way Mike O'Shea runs his team. And well, we'll see what 87 Calvin McKnight has. You got some fans circling your car out there. Yeah, it's the, Paul uh, Friesen. Oh, grab, my, grab my lawn chair for me. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, Darren Bauman with us from Bonfire Sports, uh, looking ahead to Bombers Elks on Friday night and giving us a little update from today's practice over at IG Field. You know, bombing has been a tumultuous 24, 48 hours for the Bombers dealing with the Lawler situation. But other than that, um, this season could not be going any better. Far from that scenario for the visitors coming in on Friday night. And, you know, we've talked about this a little earlier today. Um, Winnipeg's Eddie Steele, who was doing color, fired from the Ched broadcast for things that he said about the general manager and this Robin Brownlee report that Brock Sunderland was responsible for banning Joey Moss from the locker room could not be. That is a nuclear bomb of a negative public opinion for him in Edmonton. But aside from the general manager, what are you hearing about the actual team that's going to come to Winnipeg? Uh, two wins on the season, having lost twice to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, uh, you know, now at the bottom of the West, trailing the Calgary Stampeders, who had, in my opinion, a season-saving win against the Riders last weekend. It'll be interesting to see how the Elks come out on Friday night in the most difficult place to play right now in the CFL, playing the most difficult team to play in the CFL. The Bombers are a perfect 4-0 and at home, and... If you're Edmonton, you're staring down two straight games uh, against the powerful Blue Bombers and with everything going on inside that organization right now, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be between the ears of the players inside of that room. Um, Jamie Elizondo, their head coach, is going to earn his stripes if he hasn't yet, and really he hasn't yet, uh, to get his team prepared and mentally ready for two weeks of the most difficult football they could play this season. If you lose to the Ottawa Red Blacks twice, 
And if you've watched the Red Blacks this year, like you're bad. I'm sorry. You're a bad football team. Brock Sunderland as general manager has done a good job with the talent level on this roster. Good offense and defensive line, good Canadian talent. Greg Ellingson, Darrell Walker in the receiving core, James Wilder Jr. at tailback, Trevor Harris reunited with um, Elizondo, who was his OC when he had the most success in his career uh, in Ottawa a couple years ago. Like you'd think there were a lot of people were making the Edmonton Elks their sexy pick to be a bit of a dark horse um, and, and win the Grey Cup this year. It has not panned out that way. Something is wrong. So I understand why people are calling out the leadership of this team. Brock Sunderland, um, you know, has not been vaccinated. The Edmonton Elks are a team uh, that uh, is struggling to get their vaccination rate up. Leadership, it all starts at the top. Um, you know, Elizondo uh, has been okay as the head coach. Uh, as far as in-game decision-making, but there's been some moments where uh, they haven't got the job done. Uh, It's become almost annual now, but it happened in 2019. It's happening again this year. They fired their special teams coordinator mid-season. It's an absolute tire fire in Edmonton right now. Um, And, you know, I think you kind of just have to leave it at that because, uh, you know, you you only see what the Edmonton Elks bring on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, they got a couple wins this year. They were able to, to squeak one out in BC. Um, and, you know, again, I, I don't know what I would do if I was inside that Elks locker room. It's gone from bad to worse really quickly. And when you move on from Dwayne Mandrusiak, a man who is literally the fabric of that organization, Joey Moss, who is heralded as an absolute hero and part of the Edmonton sports history um, for two generations now, going back to Gretzky's Edmonton Oilers in in the early and mid 1980s to to not have those people involved in the organization and to see how bad things have gotten despite a talented roster. uh, I don't, I don't see why criticism of a general manager right now, even from a host broadcaster uh, would get, um, the ultimate criticism, and that's losing your job like Eddie Steele did. Yeah, Eddie Steele's going to be fine. He's an incredibly talented young yes, man with a great experience in the Canadian Football League. And, uh, you know, if anything, I think this is going to propel him to bigger and better things going forward. And to be honest, maybe getting out of that situation might be a positive. I think there's probably a lot of players right now that are thinking, hmm, if I could get out of the situation, it could be a positive. And for Brock Sunderland, I'm not sure whether he's going to have a chance I think he may very well be out of this situation potentially sooner as opposed to later. Well, look, at De- look at Derek Dennis. Like Derek Dennis is an all-star tackle in this league. They signed him to a free agent contract and they won't play him. Like he's getting paid to sit at home right now and wants to be released, wants an opportunity to play. There, there's another boondoggle out of the Edmonton organization this year. It's thing after thing uh, with them. And, and it's it's obviously leaving a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, hey, quickly back to the bombers for a minute. Um, uh, the kicking has been a big story all season long. Yeah. Uh, Ali Mortada was perfect against BC. Now, granted, sure was a nice way to ease him in with what a 13 yarder to start off and a couple in the 20s. Perfect from the uh, perfect on the converts, of which there were many uh, with all those touchdowns from the Bombers. Um, three of them, of course. I have to wonder did that performance he had 
NBC sort of quell things. Um, it certainly seemed like the organization still had some confidence in him and was giving him the chance going forward. But as we've known, there's already been three kickers so far this season. How important do you think that game was at sort of establishing in him going forward, um, barring any really bad games, to be the guy that you know has that responsibility going into the playoffs when you would assume the kicking game will be more of a factor than it has been so far with the Bombers running away on so, so many of their opponents this year? Well, there's three parties involved in the perspective of the Blue Bombers kicking game. We'll start with Ali Mortada. He stayed in Winnipeg during the bye week. He continued to kick. He said he felt very good about his performance other than the misses, that he just needed to make some adjustments. We've got to remember, he's been playing in the indoor football league. What's that field, like 60, 70 yards? Whatever it is, the hash marks are, well, I can spit farther than those hash marks are are placed apart. Um, And now you come to the CFL, the hash marks are far apart. All three of his misses in that first game were to the right and close. Um, Then there's the other party. That's the Blue Bombers organization. Their perspective was, we have confidence in Ali Mortada. Michael Shea said he liked his process and he's sticking with him. That's a good confidence boost following three misses in your first, um, I I will say, traditional gridiron game for Ali Mortada uh, that he's ever had. Um, And then there's the third party and the loudest, and that's the Blue Bombers fan base. When Ali Mortada joined this team, and goes 0 for 3 in a game, the Blue Bombers were 50% on field goals for the season. Like, night and day from Justin Medlock, who was 85-90% through his entire career, and outstanding here in Winnipeg, and the game's leading scorer in the 107th Grey Cup victory. So, the Blue Bombers fan base is right in saying they need to be better. And, you know, they're allowed to be critical of a guy who goes 0 for 3 in a game. Did that performance in BC assure them enough? Probably not, but the team is confident. Ali Mortada is confident. And now he's back here at IG Field on Friday night uh, in a game where, you know, we'll, we'll see how involved he is. It's probably going to be a lot more converts than long field goals. But um, this is a luxury the Blue Bombers have right now. They are so dominant. They are in uh, just imposing their will on their opponents they can get by with with you know a questionable kicking game right now. Stick with Mortada. I like the decision. See if you can get the most out of him for the home stretch uh, of the season here. He has a lot of leg, extremely strong on kickoffs. Those shorter field goals he made in Vancouver, he cleared them with a lot of leg. Put him into the upper deck. <laughs> exactly. So he's going to be fine. I think the Blue Bombers kicking game will be fine. But for the fan base, I get it. Wait, you know, sh- you know, show me uh, is, is their perspective right now. And rightfully so. Well, I'm really looking forward to this game. Hopefully we'll see a great crowd uh, with or without Kenny Lawler. This team is rolling and I expect it to continue for what should be a great matchup. Uh, but before the game, we've got game day Winnipeg. Fill people in on uh, what you and Walby will be uh, chopping up on Friday before kickoff. Yeah, we'll obviously break down the Kenny Lawler situation, uh, get a little bit more into Kelvin McKnight, if he is the man uh, stepping into the lineup. And, well, this Blue Bombers defense has been historic this season. They're starting to really play at a level we haven't seen a Blue Bombers defense or even a CFL defense play before. Chris Walby, 20 years nearly in the trenches in the CFL. Great guy to get perspective from on what he's seeing uh, on, you know, the the other side of the field that that he faced throughout his career. So looking forward to that. Uh, We will have game day Winnipeg available for all the Blue Bomber fans out there. First thing Friday um, and available on our YouTube. 
Perfect. Uh, you know, hit that up in the morning on YouTube. Join us on Winnipeg Sports Talk and go and kick off the weekend with uh, what should be a great night at IG Field with the Bombers and Edmonton Elks. DB, thanks as always, man. Always good to be with you, Hoss. Thanks, man. All right. Great stuff with DB joining us from Blue Bombers practice. Um, great to have him on the program. Make sure you check out Game Day Winnipeg coming up on Friday. That'll be available early in the morning. Get ready for the game with Bombing and Walby. Join us on WST and then head on down to IG Field. And uh, hopefully you can see the Bombers continue steamrolling the rest of the Canadian Football League, even without Kenny Lawler in the lineup this week. Now, folks, a couple things. First off, we will be doing a giveaway, an impromptu marble race at the end of the program today. We have two pairs of tickets for tonight's Jets Flames preseason game. So be sure to stick around. Obviously, only enter if you are able to go to the game. Um, and here in Winnipeg, I'll email you the tickets. Simple, easy afterwards. So, uh, and a big thanks to Mike O, who um, helped us out, wasn't able to go to the game. So, fired those over to us. Now, we're going to talk to Benny Heiss. We're going to get into a little bit of NFL talk. Before we do that, we'll get to the cool bet lines at the end of the program. But what is going on with the chat right now, Remus? I mean, this has turned into are, do I need to uh, contact our friends over to Delta Nine and get a. Uh, a, a Jets high flyer award of the game with the new sponsor. I guess it's about time. I mean, we have everything else. A cannabis shop would probably go well. Certainly when I consider what's been going on in this chat for the last 20 minutes, wh where did that come from? How, how, how did it start? How did everything go down a rabbit hole of CBD, oil, weed, how you buy it, all that. I uh, that, is, that is an all-time first for Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yes, we're no longer Winnipeg Sports Talk or Winnipeg Weed Talk. And seemingly, <laughs> seemingly there's a new shop opening. Like, I don't know how they're all staying open. They're on the corner of every, every street. But um, I guess someone <laughs> made a comment that it helps them for pain. And people are like, oh, everyone wants help with pain. Us. Um, and apparently there's a solution out there and everyone is wondering about the different aspects, percentages, types, uh, edible versus ingestion versus smoking is come up. Everything's come up. Um, so, uh, 2021, you know, if I could have told my self 20 years ago that we'd be sitting here in a society where it's legal and we'd be doing a show and this would be the topic that would be yeah. dominating everything outside of the jets and bombers on the program. I, uh, I wouldn't have believed you, but I'm here for it. Um, so anyways, I'm glad people are enjoying that. You can keep the chat going on. Uh, we are going to get to some fun NFL topics, a little fantasy as well with Benny Heiss mm -hmm. coming up in just a minute. Um, but as I mentioned, we are going to be doing the giveaway. We normally do our marble races on Friday, but when we've got two pairs of tickets to give away, uh, Remus is going to fire up the marbles. So give us a uh, give us a second. We're going to get yeah. to uh, Benny. We're going to do some NFL talk and then make sure you stick around to the end of the program. The other thing I do want to mention, and I know Remus put this out in the chat. Maybe someone didn't see it. Um, if you can't, if you're enjoying the program, hit the thumbs up. That's literally the easiest thing that you can do. It certainly does help us grow the channel. But the other thing is if you haven't already subscribed, it's of absolutely no cost. That red button on the screen, do us a favor, hit it, smash it. As they say with the, the YouTubers, um, and get it on. Um, it really does help us. The subscription numbers are big. And when we know if you want to turn the notifications on, we'll let you know when we're going live. Otherwise, 
When you go to YouTube, you'll see it. Some of our videos will come up. It's a big, big help. So if you wouldn't mind, if you do enjoy Winnipeg Sports Talk, hit the subscribe button. And everyone, if you can, when you have a chance, when you're talking sports with your uh, with your friends and pals, let them know what we're doing. There's still a lot of people that don't know where this content is right now in Winnipeg, and we appreciate everybody yeah. helping us grow the channel. Believe it or not, I had someone who I play hockey with say, uh, so what are you doing now that the station is down? I'm like, <laughs> like seriously? <laughs> like, you don't know? They're like, I, they used to listen to 1290 all the time. There's people out there not who aren't active on social media who, you know, are wondering, what am I going to do now that Jets are? Where do I get my Jets talk? We're here. So, you know, telling a friend helps. Hitting the like button helps people know. Hitting subscribe, um, retweeting, you know, liking everything. Because there are people out there that used to listen to us and don't know that, believe it or not, don't know that seven months later. I believe this is like our seven-month seven month anniversary today or in Friday. Uh, Friday will be, yeah. Friday, March 8th but, was the first but, show. Um, but yeah, so should I do this giveaway? Should I initiate it now? Yeah, and then sure, have the command. What, what's it going to be? Marbles? I was going to do exclamation tickets, but I can do, if you want. Mar- okay. I'll just do t- tickets, exclamation tickets. Okay, exclamation mark tickets in the chat. Wait, wait for the command to come up. Uh, we'll grab all the names and then uh, we'll get that going at the end of the program. And uh, two of you will be getting a pair each. Thanks again to Mike for donating the tickets. We'll make sure those seats are filled tonight for the Jets and Flames. However... We digress. Let's get to some NFL talk. Uh, speaking of this, we've got seven months, uh, just about full seven months in, and one of my favorite guys has been so kind to join us on the regular. It is our man, Benny Heiss. He's the managing editor for BetSided, of course, part of the Fansided Network. And uh, Benny joins us from KC, getting ready for a heck of a good Thursday nighter and a big week in the National Football League. What's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, Hustler? Good to be with you. I uh, I am one of those people that, uh, you know, initially was like, oh, I wonder where I can uh, find my buddy Hustler and Remus again. And, and thankfully, I've shared it with all my friends. But it, I, I know the feeling like when you move on from something like I'll still be, you know, occasionally you'll you'll get a note on, on Twitter or something like that going like, hey, man, like haven't heard you on, on 610 in Kansas City for a while. I was like, I, I haven't been part of the afternoon show in about three and a half years like, <laughs> thanks like i'm glad that i had like that lasting impact like oh man like i just like two news like what are we bed is so yes like this is a very typical occurrence so that's why uh, i would highly encourage anybody that's listening to yes share with your friends tell your family that uh, there is a, a new place to be able to to go ahead and get your your Winnipeg sports act. Yeah, it's a process, but man, the people that have been with us from day one have been so supportive of it. And uh, it's growing, and uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, we're on to bigger and better things. And and to be honest, couldn't imagine the support and how far we've gotten in this short period of time. So not uh, not complaining or moaning about anything. But you know, sometimes people just like, hey, hello, we're over here. Let's do this. Um, it's great to have you back. I, I I was excited to talk to you this week. I mean, I have been doing the Vince McMahon strut since the weekend because everything we went five and oh in our circa picks against the spread there you go uh, the, with the exception of your bears covering my lions plus three pick and i thought they might have a backdoor at least push there at the end it didn't happen everything else was good and i somehow i don't know what the math in this is i'm in six fantasy leagues and i somehow managed to go five oh and one in one week i mean that just simply doesn't happen one because Mike Williams, I had a three point lead going into Monday night. Mike Williams had 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, just sometimes it all comes up. And by the way, I'm still, I've probably shouted out 
Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin three times on the program. It won't end. I might ride with those guys as well. But Ben, before we talk about what's happening on the field, I can't get enough of this Urban Meyer story. It is the intersection of all the things that we love. Football, salacious misbehavior by athletes. But it's even better when it's a coach, especially one that is as stuck up and full of himself as Urban Meyer is. And he seems to be in a very precarious position right now. Um, How have you viewed all of this Herb news over the course of the past week? And uh, what do you think this means for his future as to whether he could even finish this season as the head coach of the Jags? Yeah, different different herb news than apparently what's been going on in the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk chat room. That's a, that's a completely different type of, of herb news. Um, I, I will say this: like, first of all, why why coaches need to have some sort of collective holier than thou type of mindset and persona um, is, I think, a part of this story that probably needs to be discussed. Like, what Urban Meyer did in the grand scheme of things is really not that big of a deal. It's everything surrounding it that makes it a fascinating story. You know, like, well, I didn't fly the with a, on the team plane home because I was, you know, having dinner and spending some time with my grandkids. And I just happened to be at this restaurant on the other side and people tried to drag me over to this evil bar to take some pictures. And now there's a point where like his team doesn't trust him. They're off to an 0-4 starts. Uh, Jacksonville made this a fairly high-profile hire at the time. And remember, it's it's Jacksonville, Florida. It's right near Gainesville, where Urban Meyer is a legend for his time at the University of Florida and winning two championships with Tim Tebow. So, like, there's still that that love for Urban there. But in the moment that he jumped into the NFL, you just knew from the very beginning, especially, like, bringing on that super racist coach uh, that didn't need to be there from the University of Iowa. Like everything that he has done has basically gone wrong. Tried to bring Tim Tebow on board at 33 years old as a tight end. Like he keeps making mistake after mistake after mistake. And he was gifted an outstanding quarterback in this draft in Trevor Lawrence. As far as his prospects for remaining in the league, you know, it's funny. We set odds on this over at, uh, at Betsided because, you know, uh, they weren't available to bet on, but we decided to go ahead and, and list them ourselves. Um, the over-under right now is is week nine as to when Urban finally gets the, the ask. And I know that a lot of people are going to be taking the under here. But and if you're Jacksonville Hustler, how do you how do you fire him when this was supposed to be like this high-profile coaching hire for your team? I know that they've lost 20 games in a row and haven't won a game since week one of the 2020 NFL season. But I, I think if you're Jacksonville and Shad Khan and management – you're just hoping that Urban leaves and says, listen, I, I need to step down. I need to spend more time with my family. I need to focus on my health. Whatever BS excuse he's likely going to come up with, that's the way to save face here. It's not by them firing Urban because then they admit that they made another colossal mistake. And I suppose transparency is good in this situation. But if you're Jacksonville, you need some sort of positive PR because right now you're not getting any because of the, the lunacy of your head coach. Yeah, and and uh, our guy Robert Latal over at BSO, one of the goats of the internet, uh, has uh, they put it in. Uh, Urban Meyer's lap dance girl has been ID'd. Get get his, get her name, Cayman, Nebraska, and she she has known Urban for months. 
Um, so, I mean, it oh, just yeah. seems to be more and more and more we listen to this and we know that Herb is full of shit. And to be honest, we're now hearing that his players have been feeling that maybe from day one right now. And the lot that if you have a head coach that's coming in, that's supposedly the guy that's going to take you from where they are right now to being respectable, you need to have that respect. And it doesn't seem like he has it at all. And to be honest, Ben, I mean, I have a feeling that what's happening right now behind the scenes is more Shad Khan and the Jags meeting, not about football things, figuring out, has Urban Meyer done anything that they could just get out of this contract? Because I have a hard time imagining that if there's anything other than the writing on the wall, that this is going to be a short and sweet time in the National Football League. And He'll be out of the NFL. Who knows? He might be out of his marriage, and then he can go to USC, enjoy all that comes with being the head coach of another big program down in Southern California. Yeah, and again, if you're USC, in theory, you know, you're just trying to win games at, at any sort of level right now, and Urban has shown that he can do that at the collegiate level. But And from a from trying to get this as a high-profile hire and, and make your organization feel good about itself, this is not the ideal time or place to be able to make that happen, especially after all this. Like, you're supposed to be USC. You're supposed to be able to get anybody that you want. And so this is the guy that you end up with, I suppose, in theory. His college background would indicate that he'll end up winning again, but right, he's just not somebody that I would touch with a 10-foot pole right now. And, and to your point, too, Hustler, about his locker room not having any respect for him, like – he tried to explain all of this to his team. They all laughed at him like audibly while he was in the room during his press conference. He couldn't look a reporter straight in the eye, just fumbling and, and just being all clumsy all over himself. And then to make matters worse, like you're talking about ownership and management. Shad Khan released a statement. Like the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars released a statement saying like urban needs to earn our respect back. Like, dude, you're, Four games into an NFL season, if this is where you are at this point this early, it's set up to be a disaster. So, yeah, if they can find some wording in the contract that allows them to get rid of him, absolutely they're trying to find it. But, again, I I think what ultimately happens here is that they just get to a point, Urban tries to save face, he walks away from it, goes back to the college game, Jacksonville is able to rid themselves of a costly mistake. Um, they figure out some sort of uh, area in the middle to deal with the contract and then everybody just moves on accordingly. I see a lot of people uh, entering for the James, uh, the uh, Jets tickets tonight. Again, it's exclamation mark tickets. And uh, by the way, I, I see a retro Winnipeg is in the house. RWTV. Uh, I just have to take a quick moment to say one of the best YouTube channels I've ever come across. If you're an old head from Winnipeg, you will absolutely love it. Great to see you retro. All right, Benny, uh, enough of herb because there are a lot of things that will really be affecting what's happening on the field this weekend. Um, you know, Pats plus seven was a nice, uh, easy cover. Great performance by Mac Jones. They didn't get it done. They missed the field goal at the end. But man, this news about Stefan Gilmore was out of the blue today. I mean, this guy has been a stalwart of that Patriot defense. It looked like he was going to be ready to come back in a couple weeks. And all of a sudden he's out. Now, they said that they were going to cut him. Apparently, they got an offer from Carolina, and he's now going to Carolina for a sixth-round pick. How that makes sense, I have no idea. But bottom line is, he's no longer with New England. Any idea as to why, what precipitated this? Because um, you would think that that's a team that needs their defense to be at a very high level if they want to be a playoff team. And I don't know. Am I dumb? I mean, Stephon Gilmore, doesn't he make pretty much any team better that he's out on the field with? 
You would think so. I don't know if it's just a situation where they feel like they've gotten the best years out of Stefan Gilmore and now moving forward, both age and, and injury issues, that they just felt like this was the best opportunity where they could cut ties and not have to extend him long-term and pay him what he likely is going to end up making. I don't know whether that ends up being with Carolina on a long-term extension or once he becomes a free agent. I mean, the sixth-round pick for him was certainly surprising. But again, you're paying you don't, you're only getting him for half of the season anyway, once he's able to get back from his injury and then get back into football shape. But it makes a ton of sense in the world for Carolina, who has put in a lot of really strong defensive resources. You mentioned somebody that can you can pair up eventually uh, long-term, hopefully with J.C. Horn, who's the number one corner selected in the NFL draft this year. That could be a very potent duo. Um, you feel like, in theory, you might have your quarterback of the future in Sam Darnold, who's gotten off to a, a nice start this year. Still Christian McCaffrey, good wide receivers, and DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Um, and, and their offensive line and, and defensive line have started to, to play a lot better as well. Like Carolina is putting themselves in a position to be a really solid team that once the window on Tampa Bay is done, could be very easily slide into the mix and put themselves uh, in a really strong spot in the NFC South. But I just think the Patriots were caught in between a rock and a hard place because they spent so much money in free agency this year, like really just added up the tab to try and get themselves back to a competitive level, probably overspend. In fact, they know for sure that they did. And then as far as Stefan Gilmore was concerned, they just didn't have enough money to be able to pay him. It's just weird the way that it worked out through the course of this year, considering that new England, yeah, they're one and three, but I still think they'll be competitive. Just, a weird way to sort of start off the day knowing that uh, he's ultimately done in in New England after after what has been a really terrific career. Yeah, it was some real surprising news today out of Foxborough with Stefan Gilmore being done with the Patriots and now on his way to Carolina, which is a big ad. I believe Horn got hurt last week too. I'm not too sure how long he's going to be out for. So, you know, at least in the short term, that keeps them you know, in the mix in a tough division where they've had a really great start. And again, Sam Darnold's been great, although they did get exposed a little bit by the Cowboys defensively last weekend in their first loss of the season. Um, your Bears got that win against Detroit. Matt Nagy has come around now and he's committing to Justin Fields as the starter. Um, it, it almost makes too much sense. Even if this team is not going to be a playoff team, the the reps and experience would obviously help Fields go forward when they want to get there. Um, first of all, you've probably watched just about all of it. How has he looked so far? And um, is this just the obvious choice that Matt Nagy maybe took a little too long to make? There's a lot, I think, to unpack here, Hustler. So let's start with the actual decision. Right, Matt Nagy, as of Monday, as of Monday, still said that Andy Dalton is the starter. So I, I started trying to unpack this a little bit and think to myself, okay, he's, clearly on the hot seat, as is general manager Ryan Pace. They drafted this guy in the first round, gave up a bunch of capital to go ahead and get him. They had Andy Dalton brought in because they needed some sort of placeholder quarterback that could run Nagy's vaunted offensive system that so far hasn't worked through his four years in the NFL in Chicago. None of it really added up as to why they would continue to go back and believe in Andy Dalton when if you're tying your future to this player in Justin Fields, who's obviously an immensely talented player that you spent a first round pick on, why would you not use that as an opportunity to get the process started as early as humanly possible? So it just didn't add up. I think what happened here is basically 
upper management, possibly even ownership came down and said, Patty, you got to play the kid. Everybody in Chicago is calling for your head. Right now, last week, you finally showed what the offense can look like when you're not the one calling plays. You need to be the CEO of the organization, not the offensive genius and head coach. This is what is best for the team. This is our decision moving forward. And he basically had his hands tied because nothing else adds up in this whole entire process. So I, I think that's what you're likely to see in Chicago is basically Nagy kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath him, said it was a collective decision, but I, I don't think he was as dug in on Andy Dalton as he was if, if this wasn't something that was basically taken away from him. So I think you're starting to see the neutering of, of Matt Nagy over the course of the season. And he's basically understanding, I need to do this to protect my job. That's that's part number one. Part number two is the actual play of Justin Fields, because it's been two weeks of very eye-opening things. Week one against Cleveland was a disaster. They rolled out the Andy Dalton game plan. They didn't protect him at all against one of the best pass rushers and pass rushing teams in the NFL in Cleveland. And he got sacked nine times. He didn't adjust on the fly. They didn't allow him to run. It was just colossal mismanagement from the top down. And it's hard to put all the blame on field, but like he just wasn't ready for all of that. And they just didn't set him up to succeed. The game after against the Lions, it's a bad Lions team. They played hard. They fought hard in the early part of the season. But you saw his talent, five throws of 20-plus yards downfield, including a couple of beauties to Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. And then they finally started to you know, let him run, let him use his legs a little bit too. So the development is starting to come. The ability to bounce back is there. And I actually think he'll be all right against the Raiders this week in what should probably be a nice little up-tempo game out in Las Vegas. So – I'm not ready to go ahead and say that, that this guy is going to be 250, 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, a lot of rushing touchdowns. Like it's going to come progressively, but you need to know if this guy can be your quarterback in the future. And the best way to do that, especially on a rookie contract, is to start that process now, knowing that the Bears themselves are not a playoff team, even if Justin Fields is starting. Ben Heisler of Bet Sided with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, talking a little NFL. Uh, meanwhile, Fields is getting the start to his career. Uh, it looks like we're seeing the sun setting on Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Um, how much longer do they throw him out there? I mean, the guy can't throw more than 10, 15 yards. It's bad. And it sucks because he's a future Hall of Famer. He's won two Super Bowls, face of that franchise for, for the last, you know, what, 18, 19 years. Um, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, you kind of look at it like in the same way as, as Eli Manning, except the difference was they went ahead and drafted his replacement. So they had an easy process to be able to say, all right, you know, we're, we're going to play you up to a certain point until the kid is ready. And the kid was ready and Daniel Jones. And they said, all right, you can go ahead and have a nice little early retirement party and right off into the sunset, we can celebrate you right now. There, there's nothing that the Steelers are doing to be able to celebrate Ben Roethlisberger. And to every extent, he still wants to play. So if you're Mike Tomlin, you're trying to figure out, do we have a chance to still contend this year? And this was also a guy that got us off to an 11-0 start the season before, before sputtering down the stretch. Right now, it's all sputtering. He can't throw the ball past 10, 15 yards, like you said. Pro Football Focus had a stat hustler from a couple of weeks ago, I think heading into week three, that Ben Roethlisberger's on-target throws had gone from 70-something percent last year down to 40-something percent this year. That's a precipitous drop-off for somebody that has been known to be able to make a lot of these big throws. And he still has weapons around him, but it's a bad offensive line. Not set up well for him. I just don't know who they play instead. Like, I still think Ben Roethlisberger, even as bad as he is, he 
gives them the best chance to win because I'm not buying it on Mason Rudolph. I'm not buying it on Dwayne Haskins. So until he gets hurt or he just says, I'm done, I think they're going to continue to roll his old ass out there and, and see what they can do. But it is a bad place for, for Steelers and Steeler Nation to be right now. Yeah, it, it's sort of funny that, you know, the Packers have been dealing what they've been dealing because they went maybe too early to get the replacement to Aaron Rodgers. And Pittsburgh has done nothing on that, have two duds behind Ben Roethlisberger. And right now, Simply have no answer at the quarterback position going forward. Um, this week is a really interesting two games I want to get to. First off, the Thursday nighter. Now, this one, you know, opened up around one point. It's the Rams coming off that loss to the Cards, who have really, in my opinion, been the story of the season so far with their 4-0 start. And what a signature win that was for Cliff Kingsbury's team, especially the Cardinal defense. But short week coming off their first week of the season. They go to Seattle, who had a massive win after two really ugly losses. Um, this line has gone from one. I'm seeing it now on Cool Bet at minus two and a half for the Rams right now. What do you think about the Thursday nighter, Ben, and uh, all the betting momentum on the Rams despite a pretty disappointing Sunday? It's it's surprising to me because I would have figured that the public would be ready to bet Seattle at home. Um, considering that they got that big road win last week against the 49ers. And conversely, watching the the Rams really struggle at home against an upside Arizona team. But that hasn't been the case. The public and sharp betters have moved this line up to two and a half. And I I don't think it'll get to three, Hustler, because I think if it does, I think you'll see a lot come in on Seattle. Um, But seeing a, a point and a half is fairly substantial for a Thursday night game this early on in the week. Um, I do like the Rams. Sean McVay historically has been really good coming off of losses. Uh, I think the line is close enough where you feel like even though they're, you know, one, two and a half point favorites that they can still cover the spread. And, and Seattle still has plenty of issues. You know, Russell Wilson was in a good spot last week. 49ers ended up losing Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Trey Lance had a couple really nice plays, but they just kind of looked out of sync in that game. But I, I think the Rams are going to want to run a lot in this game. Seattle's the worst team in the NFL stopping the run. Um, they have a good back in Daryl Henderson and also a little bit of Stone Michelle that can do it. It sets play action perfectly for, for Stafford to hit Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I just think the Rams are the better team. And even though Seattle historically has always been very good at home, short turnaround week, uh, Rams basically having a bad loss, good opportunity for a bounce back. Makes all the sense in the world. So yeah, I'll take the Rams. I'd probably bet it up even at this current number at, at minus two and a half. But for once it gets to three, I'm probably staying away. I was, I, I mean, we were doing a talk of this game on the lock shop and I usually take a side, but when I saw 54 and a half for the total on this one, uh, I jumped on, uh, I jumped on the under, uh, but that's not the biggest total of the week. That of course is a Sunday nighter. What a matchup chiefs at home at Arrowhead two and two after the win in Philly defense, still looking very sketchy. And you got the buzzsaw Buffalo Bills coming in after three ridiculous offensive performances after that tough start against Pittsburgh. Um, Chiefs are three-point favorites. I thought this might be a pick to be honest with you. And Chiefs often get overvalued, certainly against the number, because of the success that they've had and how popular of a team they are now with Patrick Mahomes running the show. But uh, thoughts on this one with a total of 56 and a half. Um, I, I think the line makes sense because it's basically saying it is a pick but you're giving the Chiefs a slight edge because of Sunday night at Arrowhead. Um, I think if you were playing this game in Buffalo, it'd probably be closer to maybe Buffalo minus three and a half, to be perfectly honest with you. But you know, who is who have the Bills played? They really haven't played anybody substantial this year. Like They beat the hell out of Miami. They lost to Pittsburgh. 
Um, you know, Washington, I, I thought that was going to be a better team than, than they were, especially on defense. It just hasn't been the case so far this year. Uh, and then Houston. So Kansas City has played some tougher competition in, in Cleveland and in Baltimore uh, in the early portion of the year. The Chargers look like one of the best teams in the AFC. So I, I think it makes sense as to where that number is. Uh, and then the total, I, I almost think you can't put, you know, if you're going to take the over on Kansas City games, you kind of have to grab that number at the very beginning of the week. More often than not, it's going to go up as opposed to go down. Um, but I also think you go back to Chiefs history here. Um, they've played very well against Buffalo over the last year or so. Remember, they covered the spread uh, in the uh, AFC Championship game. They beat them in Buffalo. I think it was week five or week six. And what was supposed to be a, a pretty defining game for the Bills, that didn't happen. It, the, the Chiefs, I think, can come out and, and make a statement defensively um, if they're able to do what they were able to, to do over the last few games against Buffalo. But I just don't see that happening. I see it being a shootout because that's what both of these teams are able and capable of doing. So 56 and a half, I'll probably still take the over, even though it's for sure going to be a public play. And I suppose I, I, like, I like the Chiefs to be able to, to cover in this game as well. Hustler, I don't know if you know this, but the last time the Chiefs covered in a regular season game up until last week against Philadelphia, week eight of the 2020 NFL season, when they covered as 20 and a half point favorites at home against the New York Jets. Until that point, they had not covered the spread. They had gone 1-12-1 over their last 14 games. And coincidentally enough, that one cover against the Buffalo Bills last year. Well, I, I did know that because um, I've told everyone that wants to listen, Chiefs are a great team to cheer for. They're a lot of fun to watch. But don't be throwing a chunk on them to cover the spread because with the numbers and the offensive success they've had, it just simply didn't happen at the end. And, hey, you know what? They'll get up. They, you know, get a couple first downs, run the clock out. They don't need to win by eight or ten. And right now it's just about winning this football game. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. Benny, before we go, what do you and the bet-sided team have going into Thursday night football and another big weekend in the NFL? Yeah, we got plenty coming up for Thursday Night Football. Already a bunch of predictions and, and write-ups and prop plays uh, over at uh, betsided.com, or excuse me, over at fansided.com slash betsided for that. Uh, Major League Baseball postseason is going on, and I uh, was disappointed that the uh, Toronto Blue Jays didn't get in. I thought that'd be a much more fun team uh, than either the Yankees or the Red Sox. I, I just, I'm so fascinated by, by Vlad Jr. Uh, and the rest of the team with Bo Bichette as well. Uh, so I was bummed out, but I, I think they'll get their time coming up soon. So plenty of baseball coverage with the start of the uh, the ALDS and the NLDS coming up the next few days. You get the wild card game tonight. And, and yeah, if you need college football or NFL picks, uh, projections, different ways to be able to approach these different stories in the NFL, uh, we got previews for all of them. A lot of fun, a lot of quick hitting analysis. You can find it over at fansided.com slash betsided. And make sure you're following on Twitter at Benny Heiss. Uh, ben, thanks for doing this. We'll catch up soon. Enjoy the weekend. You got it, Hustler. Be good, my friend. There he is, Ben Heisler. Uh, always love having Benny Heiss on the program. And uh, yeah, they do do a great job over. Fansided is the uh, main site and the betsided focusing on uh, some of the things that we just talked about when it comes to betting. All right, last call for getting in on the marble race for the tickets. You need to put in exclamation mark tickets. If you are if you just dropped in at the end of the program and wondering what we're talking about, I have two pairs, lower bowl tickets in section 111 for tonight's game. Uh, but you need to be here or somewhere in Southern Manitoba so you're able to get to the game. Uh, you would be emailed the tickets if you win. So uh, last call for that. I'm going to quickly get to the cool bet lines while Remus finishes up the, um, you know, and kind of gets 
puts the final buzzer in and loads everything into the marble race. Uh, here we go. Uh, we have CFL football tonight, folks. A Wednesday night game, and what a game it is. The Toronto Argonauts in what will probably be a sparsely populated BMO field. Although I hope it's a better crowd because they are honoring, uh, I believe, the 91 champions, the Rocket, the Pinball. Um, they're nine-point favorites against Ottawa. Ottawa has beaten the Elks twice. Other than that, I believe they've lost by 10-plus to every other team that they've played so far this season. Uh, total 46-and-a-half. Ottawa, huge money line underdog, plus 310. And the Argos at minus 417. Bombers still steady at 12-and-a-half point favorites against Edmonton. Saskatchewan still three-point favorites against Calgary. Montreal, a seven-point favorite in Ottawa's second game of the week on Thanksgiving Monday. And it finishes it off with the Ticats laying six at home against the Argos. Uh, NHL preseason, let's see if we've got a line for this Jets game tonight. We do, in fact, Jets minus 149 to win and plus 171 on the puck line. Not quite the freebie that we got last Wednesday for the Jets puck line, considering what Edmonton sent to Winnipeg. This will be a more NHL-loaded roster. Again, no Mark Shifley on the Winnipeg side of things. No Monaghan and no Gaudreau for Calgary. Six other games or five other games tonight in the league. And from the National Football League, Rams, as I mentioned with Benny, now two-and-a-half-point favorites for tomorrow night's game to kick off week five in Seattle. And Seattle coming off that big win on the road. Little surprised at how much this number's moved. Seattle, if you like the home dog right now, plus 113. Rams, minus 133 on the money line. A couple of those other games that we've talked about. Packers, three-point favorites on the road against the Bengals. Uh, we've got that. You know, this was always the Thursday night football Super Bowl. Sort of disappointed we're getting Titans and Jags at noon on a Sunday. That should be on Thursday night football, but we actually do have a better game. WFT looking to do it again. They're two-point home dogs to the New Orleans Saints. Great matchup between the Browns and Chargers. Chargers two-point favorites at home against Cleveland. We got Giants and Cowboys. Cowboys laying seven at home. And then the game of the week, Sunday night football, Bills and Chiefs at Arrowhead. Chiefs a three-point favorite and a massive total, as we mentioned, of 56 and a half. Great Monday night or two, actually. Baltimore, seven-point favorites at home against the Colts, who got off the schneid and got their first win of the season last week. Again, if you would like to get on Cool Bet and you haven't bet there before, use the promo code WST. You'll get a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first bet over at CoolBet.com. All right, Remo. How are we looking for uh, an impromptu Tuesday marble race or Wednesday marble race, excuse me, for a couple pairs of tickets to tonight's Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames preseason game, downtown Winnipeg at Canada Life Arena. We've done the last call. Um, I'm going to close this right now. And close it up. I'll, I will close it. You've already, you already said last call. So people yep. knew we do have, what, 57 entries i had to update my marble racing program and i will copy all the names and input them input them in in give me a give me a sec while i excellent get this okay underway. so remus is doing that i'll plug the show tomorrow um looking forward to having marshall ferguson join us and i believe tsn marsh himself is calling the game tonight on tsn uh, so we'll have marshall talk all sorts of cfl stuff maybe get into a little nfl with him and We'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets coming out of tonight's preseason game with the one and only Murat Atesh. Really looking forward to talking to Murat about 
um, this game tonight and about the look of the Winnipeg Jets without Mark Shifley. As we talked about off the top of the show, not having Shifley in tonight's lineup in a lot of ways, somewhat of a dress rehearsal for the lineup that will be going at it a week from tonight when the season gets going for real in Anaheim against the Ducks. Um, if you popped in as well, and if you haven't before, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk at 1 o'clock p.m. live on YouTube. And of course, if you're subscribed, it'll pop up. You can watch it anytime afterwards if you miss the live broadcast. And again, thanks to everyone that's listening to us on the podcast every day, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, search Winnipeg Sports Talk, and it's there. And uh, whenever you pop in, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. It certainly helps us spread the channel with uh, a good number of likes. Uh, Remo, how's the process going to get ready for our impromptu marble race for uh, two pairs of tickets? And thanks again to Mike, a uh, good friend of the program, a loyal listener, said that uh, can't make it into the city tonight. Got four seats in the lower bowl, so we figured we'd split it up, get two people there, and, uh, well, you'll get to meet each other because uh, I do believe you'll be sitting right beside each other in Section 111 tonight. Uh, What's the right. word? It's looking good here. Let me fire this thing up right now. We do have it. Oh, there we go. Let's rock. All right. Okay. So here we, we go. Got, we got 57 names in. Got to make sure I got the right amount. I picked this track. Convergence, I believe, was the name. Ooh, I don't know what go. that means. Well, I have no idea. It's brand new. I mean, as I said, we didn't plan for a marble race today, mm. but we didn't plan for Mike to generously give us a couple pairs to give away to everyone. So uh, thanks to everyone that was able to enter. Good luck to all of you. 57 in the top two marbles. We'll have to get us their emails, and uh, I'll be sending you those tickets shortly after the program, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you tonight. All right, without further ado, let's get these tickets out to some Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners and viewers on the WST Marble Race. Let's go. All right, here we go. We're dropping them, and all the winners, what, in the top right? So if you're new here, top right has the list. They're going down this, oh, sorry, my fingers are in the wrong configuration. We're rocking. They're oh. going down this, what, Plinko-type machine? Wild start. Wild start. There's Troy Yamomo in first. Or Miller time, 1980. It's all changing. We'll wait and see when this comes out. But if you're here and you're enjoying the video, please hit that like button. We're at 151. There's over 200 in chat. So let's see if we can get closer to 200. Where we, We're at 199 that yesterday. That would be nice. We would greatly appreciate that. All right. So we've got T. Will, Troy Amomo, AJ Stewart's in the mix. Uh, like, big jump here. Whoa. We're going to get some eliminations? No. Everyone seemed to make it so far. Uh, looks like Keith Howell right now is in the lead. Uh, oh. But it is changing. Russ Lowen's in the mix. T. Will's still in first. No, Russ Lowen's back in first. It's back and forth. It's back and forth. No one knows what's happening. We're in a very mysterious area lost. of the Marvel race, as did I. It's an interesting look. Oh, we've got some live looks. Okay, here, I'm out of it. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> okay. Driving this oh, thing is hard. Oh, we got a couple looks eliminations. Looks like Steven Dubienski's in there. Bartholomew is in there. Oh, there's some eliminations. We are losing. Bardo making a big, big push at the end. But it looks like Bartholomew. Oh, Les Thompson, you got eliminated over the top rope. Bardo and Bartholomew right in the mix. Now, running man, Brad's there. Winnipeg Chaster. <clears throat> Bartholomew's hit a, uh, a bit of a pit stop here. Running man 
is now running away with it. He is in first place right now and against the top two who will be going to the Jets game tonight. Running man looking good. Can he hold on? Things have slowed down a little bit, but he's getting some momentum. I think running man is going to be in first. Running man is in. Who's getting the second pair of tickets? Kalen Lim. Oh, it looks like it's going to go down to Bardo and Winnipeg Chaster. Who's it going to be? It is Bardot. Well, what a race. Exciting. That was a very weird and wild course you picked there, CTO Remus. Uh, but that nicely was, done. Yeah. I, Winnipeg I, Chaster got the, uh, got the, 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 Thanks for coming out close, but no cigar. Uh, so running man and Bardo, you are going to the game tonight. Uh, what you'll need to do is uh, hit us up with your email. Uh, if you can do that via DM on Twitter, that's great. If you're not there, send an email to uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. You as well, Bardo. And um, <laughs> Taylor, poor Taylor. I came back just to get murdered in a marble race just like that. Uh, <laughs> always fun, always fun. Uh, and normally we just do this on Friday. We will do another one on Friday. We've got some awesome new merch to give away with our great friends and partners at Canadian club and a great way to do it. Heading into a bomber home game. Uh, we might really crank it up. I think I might have an, I love rye package, which includes uh, a bottle of delicious Canadian club. And then we'll also do, uh, our first hoodie giveaway. So make sure you're with us on Friday. It's always a fun way to kick off the weekend. Uh, but once again, congratulations to Running Man and Bardot. I don't know whether it's Bardot or Bardot. It looks like Bridget Bardot, um, but I could be mispronouncing it, regardless of the pronunciation. Congratulations. You get the dub. Both of you are going to the game tonight. Thanks again to our friend Mike, who provided us the tickets, not able to make it into the game. Great season ticket holders supporting the local team and uh, now supporting Winnipeg Sports Talk and everybody else there. Um, lots of fun. Uh, poor Chris Vermette, DFL. Well, I don't know. I think he might rather be last than, you know, coming up just that much short because we did have two prizes today. But uh, anyways, that was a heck of a lot of fun. We always love doing the marble races. Thanks again to Mike. Um, so Bardo, running man, get us your deets ASAP, see who play, and we will fire you off the tickets and uh, enjoy the game tonight. I'm really looking forward to this one, Remo. And uh, as we've been mentioning right from the top of the program, a little bit of a glimpse as to what this team's going to look like in all likelihood, taking on Anaheim in a week, because of course we got to wait one more damn game for Mark Scheifele to return to the lineup. And uh, it'll be tough for him to miss this game tonight, but nothing compared to missing that opener down in SoCal in a week. Oh, yes. We are counting down here, and uh, we can just recap if you missed it. Uh, Scott Billick tweeting out the lines. No Mark Shafley, but it seems like rest of the regulars are in. And sorry, I'm playing. Yeah, Connor, Stasny, Wheeler. What do we got? Uh, Cop, Dubois, Ehlers, Harkins, Lowry, Veselainen, Toninato, Nash, Svechnikov, Morsi, Schmidt, Dylan Pionk, Bully, Dumelo, and Connor Hellebuck in goal, and Calgary's they would. They're missing Gaudreau, Monaghan, but it's the rest of the guys seem to be in. So Hellbuck versus, what, Dan Vladar? Vladar? Vladar, yeah. the former Bruin farmhand who has now been tabbed in sort of a similar situation to Eric Comrie um, as the backup goalie behind a guy that's going to play the majority of the games in Jacob Markstrom. Um, thanks to Benny Heiss. 
Thanks to Stephen Wino. Thanks again to Darren Bombing. Make sure you uh, check uh, his content out over at Bonfire Sports, and he and Walby will be getting you ready for Friday's game. Um, first thing Friday morning, will available be available all day heading into kickoff Friday night at IG Field. Um, Marshall Ferguson and Marat on tomorrow's show should be a great one. And then uh, Weeb's World himself returning on Friday for what should be a, a fun chat with our pal Kenny. Uh, once again, thanks to all of our sponsors, including our newest sponsor, Culligan Water. So great to have you on board. Hydrate, folks. And uh, the Culligan man has your hookup. Find him over at 1200 Sergeant. Manitoba Battery, manitobabattery.com. Donnie and the guys, great to have them on board as well. Royal Sports, OGs from day one. Princess Auto, fantastic support of us as well as the uh, community. Little Brown Jug, maybe a couple LBJs for the game tonight if you're not making it down. Boston Pizza, the lunges will be rocking the entire week. Not Auto Corp, I'll see you folks at Not Admits the Milt Stiegel coming up a little later on today and then on the tube later on. Of course, Canadian Club and our boy Nick and Nikki. And the Nick and Nikki DQ group. And of course, Cool Bet Canada. Use promo code WST. That is going to do it for us. We're a little past three. We got to get the pods up for everyone for the drive home. Enjoy the game tonight. Congratulations to Running Man and Bardo. Enjoy the game. Thanks to Mike for providing the tickets for our marble race today, which we weren't planning on doing, but it's always fun to do. And we'll see you tomorrow afternoon with a packed show with Marshall and Marat beginning at 1 o'clock live on YouTube and later in the afternoon in your podcast feed. Enjoy the game tonight, folks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.